before starting things, waiting for a crowd free. <clears throat> Maybe retweet the space, gin up some Link Marines, tag the Link Marines that you know to come in, hang out for a bit. It's kind of work day right now, so there may or may not be too many people available, but we'll see. It's really good to have spaces and stuff when uh, coin prices are in a good position as opposed to once things have already pumped. Um, Let's try to cover these things while they're cheap still. Um, <clears throat> I was going to try to focus a bit on Chainlink today. Wrecked, what are you up to, man? Hey, hello. What's going on? Did you buy plenty of Chainlink? Uh, no, I didn't buy Chainlink right now. And I'm going to buy something. But you're about to, right? You're about to sell your house? Yes. Thing or what? Yeah. All right. Anyway, never mind. King, what are you up to today? Let me pick my name along. King, what's happening with you? Um, hey, Sefi, how are you? Good. You secure a bit of a chain link bag already? Hell yeah. I, I got that baby, like, uh, where, where was it? Like $7 or something? Yeah. Like nice. Pretty early. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's an easy, easy play for the season. Um, I'd say it's probably like the most undervalued, probably in the top 100 at this point. <clears throat> if you had to sort of make a play, make a discussion about it here as far as price action. So I think it's like an easy, easy, easy choice at, at still at this price. Um, you know, like the bear market consolidation range was like the 5 to $10 range. So there's definitely going to be some people that bought at that level that are going to get really rich, obviously. Um, that's true of every coin that you buy in the like bare bottom of the bear market, right? So like... Um, so yeah, you did good at seven. I I think my average now is probably closer to, um, it's probably like closer to nine ish. <clears throat> after I kept adding more, so um, I have a tendency to as the market starts to move, um, maybe deploy some capital sitting around somewhere else that maybe not, you know, maybe not in as as interesting of a position, where maybe I get a better opportunity cost. Um, but yeah, Chainlink looks really really solid. I think, uh, so just to kind of recap for people that are new or whatever, um, like Chainlink's range here, as far as fibs is basically like between 12 and 16, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just improbable at this point, you're going to revisit like the sub $8 and 40 cent level just because, uh, you had like a one and a half year consolidation at that level and you had price action in that level back in 2020. So really plenty of um, price, you know, action in that range. In fact, for Chainlink, the highest price action range in its entire history, um, like was, you know, like if you look at its volume profile, is right in the $8 to $9 range. So 
you know for sure that like at eight to nine dollars there's a bunch of chain link buyers um and the number of like youtube videos tweets and whatever about chain link are just kind of climbing um but the google trends so far have not really picked up too much yet in fact let me pull that up real quick um it had its like first spike on google trends um like during the last little little pump um let me kind of pull up chain link for a second on google um <clears throat> obviously a lot of existing chain uh players in the market are not going to google stuff but um second here um let's pull up past five years chain link okay so um you know like the the top of the google trends searches for chain link was um or like you know they scored as level 100 to zero essentially as far as like search traffic and interest over time peaked um in may 2021 that was kind of like the highest that i see here for you know what this may not be correct actually um like I think Google Trends, oh yeah, here we go. Google Trends like created a new category called blockchain and like you subcategorize it. No, the highest um, peak in search interest was in uh, 2020. Let me see if I can find the exact date or so. But yeah, it's, it's anyway, the 2020 bull run, bottom line. And um, the most recent spike in Chainlink search interest was 20, a level of 29. Um, on a scale of zero to 100, that was uh, the November 5th to 11th spike. So <clears throat> what you have to understand about these uh, these kind of uh, search trends is um, price is a meme, and therefore uh, search trends tend to pick up when price goes up. Um, nobody cares about a coin unless its price is going up. I would say that's probably 90% of crypto participants only care about a coin when the price is going up. So what does that mean that like, when the Google Trends bottoms out, that's when you should be interested, along with maybe some of the key levels on charts and whatever else. So if you kind of look at you know where we are now, even even if you look at the past um, you know one year, um, the peak level one hundred was on November fifth to eleventh, and now we're at like forty nine. So really pulled back quite a bit in terms of search traffic. Um, you know, over the past one year, but Google Trends let you look lets you look at like a five year window, which is a good like general marker. Um, <clears throat> so, what will happen? And then in in the uh, bull market of twenty twenty one time period, search hits um, topped out at like level. Oh, I don't know. Like, let me see here if I have a number. Uh, about seventy seven out of a hundred in terms of top of the market. So Chainlink actually got less search traffic um in 2021 than it did in the 2020 like run up that it first had um why is that well it could be any number of reasons but um it's really hard to get search traffic for one um it's a mixture of sort of like water cooler talk and other things um typically like people's attention span in crypto gets diverted between lots more coins so that's another factor too um search traffic may be just different now also people may not be using Google as much for these sorts of things um, for their discovery of new coins as they once did. Although this is a pretty good surrogate marker because Google Trends includes things like searches on YouTube and um, things of that nature. So it doesn't cover all search traffic. Um, but remember that um, newbies don't usually come to Twitter for their crypto information. Newbies are usually 
um, hearing about it from their friends and shit. And then they kind of, you know, pick up, um, you know, their, you know, coins by searching Google. And then like, like, where do I buy this thing? And then whatever. Oh, I get it on Coinbase. Okay, fine. I'll go to Coinbase and get some. And they figure, finally figure out what they're going to buy. <clears throat> also, like, so a lot of this organic search traffic um, is is good. But like another important thing that I've noticed um, this year that I did not see out of Chainlink, um, and maybe it's because I didn't follow it as much last season, but um, there's a lot of traffic out of its um, Twitter ha- Twitter site. So the Chain Chainlink Twitter handle. <clears throat> does a good job now posting a lot of stuff. They posted some videos from the last conference with Sergey Navarov and others like doing lots of, um, you know, informative videos. And um, we're getting like a lot more updates from Chainlink in terms of stuff that they're doing, like integrations with various platforms and what have you. In fact, I thought there was a talk a little while ago from the GMX folks and they had Chainlink on talking about how they incorporated um, Chainlink oracles for kind of the fastest, you know, order execution. So there's no question like the best DEXs and the best perps platforms are going to need really good oracle feeds. And uh, Chainlink generally provides that with really good, um, like, you know, really high quality. Um, besides that, there's just a whole bunch of TradFi stuff that Chainlink is doing. So uh, these are things that, they were not doing like uh, a few years back, like at that point, maybe some Oracle stuff, you know, connecting some Oracles to some blockchain things, predominantly in the Ethereum ecosystem. Um, they're a fairly expensive service uh, and therefore like they have like good, um, you know, they have basically good revenue generation and such. So it's an important thing for these companies to eventually become profitable, self-sustainable and not some sort of Ponzi. Um, but yeah, like as far as like price action at this point is concerned, as well as like Google search trends and things, I'd say between like twelve dollars and fifteen bucks, like Chainlink, such an easy buy for the whatever bull run is coming. It's a really easy buy for like a three-year hold, I think. And um, like my personal sort of target in terms of possible, you know, initial sell price is probably in the. Um, it'll probably hit some resistance at a hundred dollars, just because it's a nice even number. So I might sell some there and then try to, you know, like buy some back lower, but then like fib levels for it are, you know, 143, 234 is Chainlink going to have its big season where it like rips everything apart. Um, and like has its Ethereum bull run sort of thing. I don't know, but there's certainly some rumblings of that. And I think it has all of the makings of like, you know, with the, I I think they learned from Charles Hoskinson and and his uh, band of idiots as far as like producing way more content. And I think that's good um, because like otherwise capital tends to flow towards bullshit projects. And um, I think they're, they're definitely doing a better job. And then some of the build projects, so Chainlink build is kind of like a ancillary like system with them. And um, if anyone down here knows more about Chainlink build and wants to like describe it, feel free. But like basically a whole bunch of different builders are connecting to Chainlink for their various ecosystems and projects. Um, Circle, they just announced that uh, Chainlinks just incorporated uh, Circle. Um, like Circle has basically a mint burn mechanism for their uh, USDC on various different protocols, and they just incorporated that into the Chainlink ecosystem. So pretty much any chain that connects to via CCIP now automatically gets access to um, Circle USD. 
So just think about how simple that is. Like you don't, you now no longer have to say incorporate, uh, for example, a Cosmos chain with, you know, Circle individually or bridge in Axelar USD via IBC. You could quite um, simply just connect directly to the Chainlink network and basically have access to native assets. Um, and the interesting thing about it is like, let's say Chainlink gets added to, you know, a series of a dozen blockchains. Every single one of those chains can access the assets of the other chains, assuming that Chainlink CCIP is built into the base layer of that, um, of that, uh, um, that ecosystem. So <clears throat> really cool stuff. And I think it's some of the stuff that um, other people have been trying to do, like, you know, cross-chain stuff is just really popular. Obviously, we have IBC with Cosmos. You have uh, you have Eigenlayer and, you know, doing all sorts of different things like data availability layers like Celestian, whatever. But um, I think uh, what Chainlink does is super important because really, like, nobody else incorporates all of that shit with an Oracle system that's baked right into the the core of the system. And that allows you to do interesting shit like price real world assets um, and like, you know, incorporate other interesting price feeds that can be quite fascinating. Um, uh, they, there's some like integration discussions with companies like Vodafone in UK. Um, I happen to own a fair amount of Vodafone stock actually over the last year. And, um, uh, Chainlink and Vodafone are doing some discussions about possibly some blockchain based integrations with their, their services. Um, there is, um, there are some fairly large institutions that are also looking at incorporating with Chainlink as far as uh, some experiments going on with Swift. There are some experiments going on with, uh, what is it called, DCCT or whatever. I forget the name of the thing, but it's like a gigantic clearing firm. And then there's some like New Zealand bank and some others that are doing some things. So yeah, definitely some pilot programs. I don't know if that all of that's going to materialize as like actual shit within the next, um, you know, one year. But uh the point is that like cryptos oftentimes price the speculative price actions run on narratives and Chainlink has plenty of narratives and like shit to retweet like so it's fundamentally shillable in a sense and therefore um worth having some i think um this is one that's like um probably like a good three-year bag especially after it's had like a one and a half year consolidation um, I think we'll see like plenty of upside on on Chainlink for the next uh, couple of years, and um, you know I like from here at this price, I think close to a 10x is very feasible. Um, probability of Chainlink breaking its prior high compared to a lot of other coins is very very high. Uh, I mean it's like one third of the way there now, but um, you know even things like Litecoin and whatever tend to break their prior high, like at least get to their prior high. But projects that have a whole lot of like narrative status usually will push past that. So I think like in the crypto ecosystem right now, uh, generally speaking, in like the top 100, I'd say um, Link is probably the most undervalued of all chains, um, pretty much bar none. I don't think there's any like comparison here as far as like what it's worth and what the market seems to have priced it at. So I think like undervalued per the market, uh, early as far as Google searches. Uh, nice in that you've had like a single pump off of its um, consolidation range, you know, it broke out of like nine bucks or whatever to this kind of like 12 to 15 range, which is a very mild sort of jump, you know, 
owners that bought at that level, including me, are only at about a 2x right now, which is very, very mild in crypto, as you can imagine. Um, hell, even like ETH owners are at a 2.5x or something from the bottom. So um, really, really um, early in that sense. And it looks like the charts were pretty much mirroring the um, the support and resistance levels of the prior season. So um, it's been here for like a couple of months. And I think you ought to see um, like maybe you know, weeks or months left in the consolidation range here for, you know, additional accumulation. And then I think it'll run from there. Um, but uh, that's kind of like my general summary on the thing. But I think it's good buy in the 12 to 15 range. Uh, V-Shape, what's up, man? What are you up to? Hey, man, I'm just laughing. Coach Bruce came in, changed the handle up, up your, uh, at your uh, Twitter space, <laughs> put in autism and OX and left. <laughs> that's good. That's good. It's fine. That's good. That's a good one. Um, um, yeah, I have a couple of questions mm -hmm. to Seth, uh, unless you want to keep on going. Yeah, with, go ahead. Uh, what, link. what questions do you have about what? So, uh, first of all, like, do you know exactly how the pack to the dollar uh, works? With, oh, for Zephyr Press? Because, like, if the dollar devalues over time, my question is whether, I mean, does it does it mag matter for the peg, so no, to speak? No, not really, not really. Yeah. Um, so the way that, um, yeah, the dollar inflation has no real bearing on stable coins in the general sense. Um, the way, uh, like, that's true of all stable coins. There's nothing particularly special about this one in that respect. Um, this one just happens to be 400% um, minimum over collateralized. Currently, it's like 900% over collateralized, approximately. Um, and you know, even the, even with an with a Venezuela like inflation, yeah, even, the, like the, uh, theoretical, whatever whatever a, a dollar is worth, like it, yeah, it doesn't really. So you're saying like if. Uh, the U.S. dollar had like, um, well, first off, if we had Venezuela's like inflation in the dollar, the entire global um, economy would basically go to zero. <laughs> like it'd be a gigantic disaster. Um, you definitely don't yeah, want to sure, that sure. shit to happen. <laughs> like, in fact, it's pretty much impossible. Like the dollar pretty much is like 90% of all currency on float. Like America could print money until like everyone dies and like, it wouldn't make any difference. Like the reality is like um, the, the world sort of chose a currency. And it's pretty much stuck with it at this point to a large extent. It's almost like how BTC plays a role in altcoin markets or whatever. Well, but but like isn't 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 thing. it like a petrol dollar because all the? I mean, it's not back with any anything since no. 1971. No, uh, it's just, because if you back it with something, it's not scalable, right? So like, yeah, no, no exactly. Yeah, but anything. but it's yeah. its demand comes from selling oil, basically. And that's the OPEC states, right? And almost all yeah. of the OPEC states now, with breaks, some of the demand, yes, try to yes. come up with another currency because yep. it's unfair that the inflation of US of the US countries basically spread out to the world. So that that's their issue, I guess. But um, yeah, without getting deep into like monetary policy shit, but like yeah, yeah. basically it's like um, it's fine. Like I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's cool. That's cool. It's not uh, really like, like it's not a, it's not like that useful, but especially like getting doomer about it does not get us anywhere as far as like investment thesis on anything either. Not for crypto, not for stocks or anything. So it's like it's um it's just like yeah, pretty much. I think now at the same time, could you have some kind of a you know banking crisis type of situation over the next one year in the U.S.? That's possible. Um, but then again, a lot that could be the case in many countries right now. 
So, um, yeah, so definitely like from investing thesis, like, you know, it's not like we're out of the woods in terms of a world that has no bad shit that can happen. So I wouldn't, but like, how do you plan around those black swan events is up to you, um, ultimately. And, um, but typically if like you get too bearish, there's a tendency for people to invest in nothing, which is generally, mm, doesn't work out well. well I think I, I, I even think the bit, Bitcoin would, would do good uh, in such a scenario. So I think we're all good anyway, but, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, like yeah, with Seth, um, you you once like posted that we, which is smart, right, to have an intermediary intermediary wallet, in order for the CXs not to know how much you got in your wallet, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and then if I go on the on the app on the dashboard app on Seth, I did like um, a second second intermediary wallet, but I can't. It's somehow like showing everything together there, like. Uh, but I have two wallet addresses. Like, how do I get it to my last wallet address? Question. Um. Uh, well, I think you just have to like reload the entire chain. Um. So like, just hit block height one, and then like reboot the entire thing, and you'll get whatever address you put in there. Should work fine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's showing both together, so to speak. But it doesn't matter. I'm gonna figure that out. And my huh, last question for Seth. It shouldn't. It's probably not updated. So it basically is showing. Um, you, when you yeah. when I go to receive, I can I can I have my primary account and my intermediary basically. Oh, your intermediary account. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Here's I here's got two DMT. different DMT wallet addresses there, but then if I go on balances, it shows like all everything. Got together. it. Here, DMT, DMT can tell you. Here, Hello. he's here right right now. Um, okay, so cool. from what I hear, you have a wallet. And there's a primary address that starts with Zephyr, and then there's sub addresses that have Zeph. And if you are talking about that, that is all derived from your same seed phrase, private key, public key pair. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's supposed to be like the same seed phrase, I guess, because I'm too lazy to always like. Yeah. That's fine. In, so that is uh, with two, yeah. But I, I went to receive and then just on create address basically. Yes. So right? that is a that's, sub that's address, good. and you want to use yeah. that as if it's an identity oh. to that person you're receiving. So don't take the same sub address to different exchanges because okay, then the sub, the exchanges can be like, hey, this person gave me this sub address, and this different entity gave me this sub address. Ah, oh, they must be the same person, so they can conclude collude to find the entity to be the same um yeah, I yeah. See. so but they're all derived from your same seed phrase uh through math and then it's like appending some keys and you have an index at the end and it's how you get new addresses and yeah. stuff so, but but it is supposed to show me in balances like everything together yes. right and the way you right. had it set up everything together should it's all it's all rolled into well, one um, sub addresses okay, and primary yeah. addresses. Don't ever give your primary address out because you can't create new ones of that. And that is like representing your actual key stuff. And it doesn't matter if you did in the past, just don't do it again in the future. But it's advisory to, or yeah, it's. And if you, you, create, if you want actually to, created a, a whole new seed phrase address. If you want to, one, you can just yeah. simply make a new seed phrase and send exactly, all your yeah. to it. Start yeah, over. That's what I did. Yeah. And then I, yep. I put in an intermediary and I just send to my intermediary, but it shows like in my balances. So I, I kind of wanted to put it from my intermediary address to my 
primary address, but that's somehow not possible. So, the, yep. so anyway. what you're thinking about, don't worry about that because it's all this, like the blockchain checks blocks and looks at like you, none of your addresses are actually on the blockchain because of the way the math and cryptography and encryption work. There's always like these one-time addresses that are generated and those are used. So like when you're thinking about, oh, my coins aren't in my primary address, it's like, doesn't matter if you send it to like a hundred sub addresses, they're all in your account that you can control. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. And then my last question for Sev, and then I'm done, uh, promise, uh, is like like what what time frame are you Sefi, uh thinking like are you, are you holding this through the bear market like i kind of want to <laughs> yeah i mean this is i think zephyr is like the a type of thing that would be sort of interesting like past a billion market cap and so right now we're at like 50 million market cap so something like a 20x from here would be like a good place to to get it to um can it go beyond that? Maybe. Um, it like you know how the crypto is like shit can pump way higher, like faster than you might like than it can actually sustain. So can you hit like you know bullish market? Can you go to like crazy numbers like ten billion market cap and then dump back down to one or something? Yeah, sure. Uh, but yeah, some kind of like sustained uh, one billion market cap level would be a nice place to be. It makes that's like the level where it becomes really really useful for us all of us to use this thing. Um, as I far as just the adoption, right, of the stable coin, kind of like yeah, it, it is a little bit based in the adoption of stable, but it doesn't need it. Like it's basically Monero at its heart, so it'll work regardless of how much adoption. That's what I like about this. That like, if it really like, if if you had to like, you know, spin up a stable coin narrative to make someone want this, that's like more confusing. But realistically, like I, I look at the stable coin as kind of like for vast majority of people, it's going to be a convenience feature. I mean, if they get it adopted at different places on exchanges and whatever, fine. Like, I'm cool with that. Like, great. It makes it more useful for us. But um, as it stands, like, if it's at a base level of utility and there's enough ZSD out there, like, you and me could pay, like, for example, employees, uh, for example, and they wouldn't know, like, how much their other employees are getting or how much is in your rest of your wallet and shit like that, right? So, like, it could be very useful to us just individually. I think at a little bit higher market cap, um, both for ZSD, like if ZSD is like a 10x from here, maybe, and like maybe um, Zeph is like another 10x from here and you have more liquidity on more exchanges, it should be good enough to be very, very usable for most of us. So that's the thing, like we're early enough that we don't need it to giga send in order for it to be useful. Like, so I think just, yeah, think of it that way. At some, at some point, it would be so awesome to be able to, I don't know, pay your grocery store with csd and buy some cigarettes like if there's yeah i mean it's, it's a very worse like if you have yeah. eventually like a dex that allows you to convert let's say csd to tether or some shit then you could send that tether to either a gift card or to services that accept that or you could use like because the thing is it'll be anonymous anyway at that point right like you don't need to necessarily have someone accept csd all we need is like a half decent DEX to convert. And then we send it over to like some debit card or some shit and off we go. Aren't right? there like KYC-less debit card providers that use crypto? Uh, I don't know about that. Like, I'm not 100% sure. Um, maybe. But e even if there weren't, there's like, there's definitely some things. Um, you can get gift cards and things, uh, for example. Um, 
no problem like with Bedali or something like that. So you have plenty of options to to take your privacy money and go and do something with it, I think. Um yeah, I mean if you're not trying to like if you're not trying to move like tens of millions of dollars or some shit, right? Like you're you're talking about like relatively modest size I'm talking amounts. About you can do a lot. For example, like if there's CBDCs and Exactly. If they track your your data and what you buy with it, and then if you have an unhealthy lifestyle, for example, buy alcohol or cigarettes, then your um, health insurance goes up. For example. Yeah, yeah. CBDCs can enact all that shit. So, like, um, yeah, like just from a freedom slash privacy, and like privacy is necessary for paying people. Like, you, it's just stupid to pay people with unprivate money. Uh, that's another thing Chainlink is doing, by the way. They're incorporating like. Um, I think they're doing like backend rollups and shit in this in the Chainlink system. I think, and eventually you'll be able to like privatize your money even with cross chain transfers and stuff. A lot, lot of stuff is happening, and like you just can't run a monetary system with any kind of mass adoption without privacy. Period. End of story. Any any crypto that claims to be like accomplishing that, um, you know, you're going to get mass adoption without privacy. There's just no chance of it. Like no chance. Zero. Like, just forget about paying for shit with your crypto. It's not going to happen because, like, most corporations that accept crypto don't want you to know what's in their wallet. Like, they don't want you to know, like, what the previous customer in line in front of you at the supermarket, you know, paid, right? Like, that's just not rational. Like, they're not going to, um, nobody's adopting that shit. It's got to have a privacy layer. So, I think, uh, so we'll see. But, uh, yeah, it um, it's kind of, like, bullish for Anybody who's like incorporating at least some sort of privacy systems like Zephyr, Chainlink is doing some of that shit between, um, and uh, there's some other networks, but like historically privacy hasn't been that popular, like in the crypto space. Um, will that change over the next two years? I think it's it's probable the more CBDC related concerns people have. But what you notice is like in, on the Twitter timeline, like you don't have a gigantic number of people in the like you know how there's like the conspiracy crowd on twitter like you have not seen the conspiracy crowd on twitter like the conspiracy theorists go after cbdc's yet which is really funny the conspiracy crowd is mostly late and just mostly paranoid delusional for the most part and they show up really late and then they come up with some narratives um and then they start spinning them and um you'll notice that that hasn't happened yet but when it does like that's when people start looking at privacy you, you know Steffi, like, it's, it's yeah, just but... one thing sorry guys um crypto is greek right and it literally means secret you know i mean it's just so dumb that people are not into privacy when the name itself actually promotes that idea you know yeah but yeah, right. i, I kind of want to differentiate because i just had like a recent uh learning kind of i think uh proof of stake doesn't work with privacy so uh secret on cosmos for example um i'm not i'm not going to touch that because it's too centralized you kind of want to see with proof of stake what's happening on the chain with proof of work i mean the the rules are set right so uh for me there's only proof of work uh privacy coins yeah i think this is really good like in the sense that like there's no validator networks to be shut down like you'd have to go to every CPU on the planet and shut that down. And so there's no real like enforcement that can be done on, on um, uh, proof of work related things without actually, you know, like you, you could basically, you know, try to create punishments and stuff, but the reality is like, it's impossible to really know who's doing what. 
So it doesn't make any sense to even try to bother. So it, you'd have to ban computers and shit. It's not reasonable. Um, but anyway, but yeah. So like, uh, do you think like if there's like a digital ID that you need to log into the internet with? Um, at that point, I mean, the tech companies are quite. There's not that many. That yeah, Linux many maybe is open source, right? But uh, I don't know if they if they for example Apple. Or it can be created, but you know, here's an interesting thing. At least in the U.S. Uh, as an example. Um, this concept of digital ID, um, interestingly, nobody wants it. Like you, you would think that everyone would for various reasons, but like Democrats here don't want it because they prefer to be able to bring in like anybody and anyone to vote, which is why they just open the borders and let everyone show up, um, to kind of like, because it's a political thing. And then, uh, libertarians don't want it because, you know, you're tracking my shit and whatever. Right. And so like, you know, there's, there's like not very many people that actually want, um, this. And, and of course, like law enforcement and people like that, when they have to catch some criminal want to be able to track everyone's funds, um, obviously, but you know, that's like, um, I wouldn't say an edge case, but it's not worth it, worth like giving up everyone's well, liberty or, already, right? Or control over the voting machines over. Because, like, you'll notice, like, in the U.S., at least, there's entire areas that, like, they pretty much defunded police because they didn't give a shit about crime. Like, it literally, like, let crime happen um, and uh, defund police so that we can let, uh, you know, criminals just run rampant. And, like, it, you know, so this idea that, like, the, the, the U.S., at least, is going into sort of, like, privacy lockdown when it comes to crypto and everything else it doesn't seem like there's a lot of political will to do anything like that so because like it ends up leading to digital id digital id means controlled voting um as far as um you know but the, that's the other thing how do you have a privacy layer for digital voting you'd have to have like if you have a digital id that would have to be totally private not only does it have to be private but you have to make sure that no one can tie that to your digital wallet which now like people can tell what you're spending money on or whatever and use that to manipulate your voting um, behavior and things of this nature. So it's, yeah, it's a whole like loop of sort of human control that, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how aggressively they're gonna go after different, um, like any kind of crypto privacy type of things. Really can't really be sure. But we know for sure corporations are gonna want it. Like you can't run a corporation on open, open ledger. It's just not, it's not feasible. So I think like, even if it's some sort of ZK rollups or something that allows a mixture of a transparency layer and um, an obfuscation layer to do transactions, something will happen. Um, you know, companies like Chainlink, I think, are the ones that are probably going to incorporate those things because they're some of the biggest ones moving towards like TradFi development. Um, and it doesn't seem like in the blockchain world, the developments that were like created by various like, um, corporations like JP Morgan and whoever, like their blockchain projects didn't really accomplish very much in the aggregate over the past 10 years. So it seems like uh, companies like Chainlink, if they incorporate privacy and they create a product that banks and whoever can use, then they'll probably use um, a tech like that. So that's kind of what I was saying about Chainlink earlier is it's like, it's it's kind of the big bet it's sort of like the easiest sort of like crypto based bet today, I would say, in terms of like coin price appreciation, just because there's so much shit going on. Anyway, and it addresses a lot of the stuff we talk about um, all the time. Um, 
So I, I think like for me, it's one of the more investable coins at large scale. I can, you know, like for example, if Chainlinks drops at 12, you know, or, or below, like, and my stocks are up or some shit, I can sell my stocks and buy it <laughs> because like, it's that straightforward, um, to, to kind of get into it anyway. Um, Bruce, what are you doing today? Are you, uh, uh, putting any people in cubes or have we moved on from that? Hello. Hello, sir. Hello. Can you hear me okay? Hello, Mr. Couch. Yeah, you're doing great. Oh, great. I'm very happy. I'm I'm just making my website for autism. Oh, did you put on some nice music in the background while you're doing it? Uh it, it's my my favorite soundtrack. If you can guess what it is, I'll give you ten autism. I can't hear it. Let me let me turn it up. That's I believe that's jingle bells. If anyone uh, sends me a message within the next one minute and identifies this correctly, then I will give you 1,000 autism. This is, uh, it's Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. I ask for DM format, please. Yeah, I think Grand Riser is right. I think you owe him 1,000 autism. Pretty sure. Let me hold some. What is the yep. website going to be about, Coach? Not Mariah Carey. Um, I'll uh, I'll send you what I'm doing. It's a, a very silly website. It's like 1994 style. But when I send you it, don't tell anyone. Don't share the link. It's only you who can know. Yeah, it needs to have like pure links, like with the uh, that are underlined with the whole URL and everything. That's that'd be sweet. Like you can't even see an image unless you click the image first and then download the image. That'd be exactly. Funny. I want to have um, zip files with Trojan horses. Like some of them contain nice images and other yeah, ones yeah, yeah. like key log. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need on there for yeah, sure. First, you need to con uh, connect your wallet. And if you have autism in your wallet, yeah, we need some seed phrase key loggers. You don't get to open the tro Trojan horse. Yeah, have a look here. Don't, don't repeat the name of this website. It's just like a, it's just been made very quickly in Notepad. I've reverted to my roots as a coder. I trained as a, a front-end coder for the first two years post-college. Give me your um, initial impressions, Vendetta. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's really like uh, the old days. It's kind of like, mm. what? Um, they're like the early days of coding, right? That's kind of like... Yeah, it's... Like internet relay chat fields from where you, when you had to code raw, right? 
like initially people were using notepad and they actually had to know code and then eventually you had the the incoming rising tide of things like dreamweaver and other ui based stuff things that made it progressively more visual um and then you got to to things like wordpress shopify all this stuff and it's just like trash and now every website looks the same and it's gone through the same corporate funnel and it's been made by the same like css dorks but now like I like yeah, that. Yeah, back, in the days, the back in the days, you didn't have that much computing power and internet con- like power, so you had to be very efficient, right? But well, mid nineties, it was like barely even. You barely even had like browsers, so like um, you, like a lot of people were just on like BBS services and using ASCII art. So I like the ASCII art in, at the top with autism. The title is in that that look. It's good. Um, you know what you could also do, Bruce, like the buttons could be like, like, you know, mm. like, you know, it's like almost like a checkbox. It's like a bracket then close bracket. And then like when you click on it, like, you know, an X shows up in the middle, yeah, right? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Stuff. Like, it's like a DOS, sure. like a, I'm, I'm gonna, like a DOS based do all of that. Like, and also weird, like hidden links and some kind of uh, dark pixel at the bottom of the page, would you click and find something out? Or maybe even I'll I'll make I'll make like a, a thing in the source code where I put a seed phrase and the first person to log in gets like a thousand autism and also their wallet hacked. Nice. I like um old style animations as well and like word art font. <laughs> Things like that. Um I think I was thinking about this a lot. Like what like what is a website now and what should it be? It also relates a lot to these rants I've gone on, Sefi, about like pyramids and things that are, are built for awe and stuff and how we don't do that anymore. I think now a website is a like is generally seen as a tool to convert someone to buy a product or a service. And everything that seems to happen is like to direct them towards that. Um and, and like it's just seen as one weird big conversion funnel. But in my opinion, a website can be lots of things. Like I think it can be sort of a, I don't know, it could be like a thing you find late at night that you just find yourself lost in um, and that reawakens a sense of mystery or awe or magic um, that you, you sort of scroll down and find these like weird links and the links lead to weird texts. And suddenly you get the sense that like there's something really interesting or, or magical. There are there are sort of nuggets in the website um, and you end up scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and you lose track of time completely. And like it's suddenly 4am and you've got to go to school or whatever at seven. Um, I, I like this sort of sense of a, a, a cave that has been constructed or a treasure hunt or um, some sort of long-term labor of love, almost like a, I don't know, like a, like a progressively created set of poetry or, or literature or art or something. But the way it is laid out is is very much like a, a cave or a labyrinth. Um, I'm into this stuff. You, you need to open it up to the community then. To work oh, I, that, like so. One of the ideas, like if you look at the like one of the initial links, I've I've linked it to a tweet. Um, so one of the ideas here is that um, over time, people's tweets will will reflect the vibe I want for any of these concepts. And then over time, I'll have collected enough tweets to make a page, like uh, a, a long, long form scrolling page of all of those quotes and things. So it becomes like curated art over time. But there's, yeah, lots of ideas. 
but I want it to be like a sort of a labor of love. And I, I want the the point of the website not to be selling anything, but but like sh- shifting you into a certain state that websites don't do these days. Oh, you're not going to have like Google ads on there. I might, I might do if it's like trashy enough. <laughs> if it's like really <laughs> bad, like if if I can get some shit that looks like I don't know, 1995, like the first ads on the on the, the internet, then yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I think the highest or or the best frequency is thankfulness, right? So to get in that state. Yeah, if you have like the, uh, if they create the Zephyr payment service thing, you could create like a, like a simple thing, like a button you click and you know you get the autism T-shirt or something using some, some ZSD or something like that. Because that what would be interesting about that is like it's privacy, right? So like nobody knows who you are, where you are, and they don't know if they're going to get their T-shirt either. It's like it's purely like it's a pure mystery. You put this money into a box and maybe you get something, maybe you don't. Safi, I bought a shitload of Seth yesterday. At support level, do you think we're gonna break a support? I don't think so. Like chart wise, back back from my trading days. Uh, I don't know. Good. Like if you if the price goes down just a little bit more, like maybe fifteen bucks, what happens is the collateralization ratio falls below eight hundred percent, and then people with Zeph can convert to the Zephyr Reserve um, token, so ZRS, and that gives you a shitload of yield and stuff. So there's a fair amount of incentive not to allow this to fall lower in a sense. Like, you know, the people that want to keep keep their um, yield the way it is need to kind of keep pumping the ZEF price so nobody else can, can uh, like the reserve ratio doesn't change. But yeah, it's something to watch out for. Um, if it dips to like 15 bucks or something like that, it's in prime position. And ZR, like the ZRS makes a lot of money too. It's like the yield is quite high on it. It's like almost like mining. So like oh, damn it. I have I, I, my my coins are just sitting in my wallet. Can I yeah. get APY on that or what? No, what happens is it's like, yeah, it's better than mining. So what happens, uh, V shape is like let's say Zeph falls to like fifteen bucks. If you go to network.zeverprotocol.com, you'll notice there's like a reserve collateralization ratio. Right now it's like nine hundred percent. If that falls below eight hundred, you can convert your Zeph in your wallet. You do the it's not on the phone wallet but it's on the it's, it's got to stay there and it's because the move, moving average also has to do it and you can do it in the phone wallet um no you can okay yeah actually the other day i had to pay some bills so i converted some zrs to zef in the phone wallet and then sent it from the wallet to uh Mexi. okay um next time you want to do that like Send me the ZRS instead. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I'll swap it in the, the desktop, but that's that's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so you can, um, yeah, so the ZRS you can swap usually like pretty easily on the desktop version, and you can go from Zephyr to the ZRS, and you want to do that like when the collateralization ratio is less than 100. And the yield from the ZRS is like, it's almost like a liquid stake token. Think about it like the price of the coin ZRS goes up in value over time to reflect the the yield you're not getting like you're not getting distributed coins like inflationary or whatever this is like actual uh transactions on the network get paid out to you when people use the network so it's so kind it's of like holding myself to zrs and then wait for the collateral to go beneath 800 and then switch back and i made a profit um 
Well, no, like so. When it goes anywhere between 400 to 800% collateralization ratio, you can swap from ZEF to ZRS. And you're going to want to like take the opportunity to do that if you get the chance. Um, ZRS back to ZEF is fairly easy. That only is, you can't do that when the collateralization is less than 400%, but that would imply like a gigantic amount of ZSD has been printed for some reason and you're under collateralized. But um, like that has not been the case most of the time. Like there's, you know, like this is not a a couple a couple of weeks ago. There was like a short time frame where the dollar value went to a hundred or something. Is that true? Like because so much Zeph was bought. uh, No, somebody messed up the like one exchange that the one um, API was getting from and they made some really small purchases that really obscure price points and it made ZSD go to the moon. But ZSD on the blockchain will was always set to the math that's coded. Um, nothing changed there, but that's what happened the other the other day. Somebody was just making some very small purchases at some really obscure price points and uh, sent that API to the moon. Okay. Okay. I see. But anyway, yeah, like the the system is incentivized for you. Like if you're a long term holder, you want to have like the ZRS for sure. Um, cause you, it, uh, it's essentially a money it's printer. Simple. This, it started off, started out October 1st at 0.5 rate and it's at 1.13 right now over a couple of months. So just do the math of, yeah, pretty much printed over a couple of months. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. So yeah, I think the, this is the reason why like $17, um, like is kind of a support price, especially after more um, ZSD was minted recently. So like like five hundred thousand dollars worth. So it's like one point five six million ZSD out there now, and I think that sort of sets a somewhat of a floor price because the demand for ZEF and those who want to convert ZEF to ZS, uh, ZRS increases like exponentially as you drop below like a ZEF price of like fifteen bucks. So. Um, there will be buy pressure from that indirectly, but anyway, and certainly, like uh, you would have to be an imbecile to sell when you could just convert to ZRS. Like it's just a better like outcome. So like that's like I mean, sure. I mean, it could anything could happen. And if we're really lucky, it goes down to twelve, and we all get to convert to ZRS and ride Valhalla with it. Um, that's the ideal situation. So it's fine if it goes down. It's all good. Um, you'll you'll be perfectly happy if it does. Um, it actually works out better for you if it does. So you, you can kind of pray for that at night. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Riser, what's up? Do you have a question? Sorry. Hi. Um, so basically, uh, let me hold some. You know, that's yeah. Let me get some of that. Yep. Just Which kidding. I don't want any anymore. Okay, give it to me. Just kidding. I really do want it. <laughs> or whatever. Um, so what you're saying, like now, now switching. Uh, would let me hold you, some. Would make you lose, right? Mm-hmm. So if you if you switch above 800, so as as of right now, from my staff to CRS, that would mean I lose some. Staff. No, you can't. No, it would mean it's, it yeah, it's impossible. 
Yeah, you can only convert to ZRS when ZRS is necessary to secure the value. Okay, I see, I see, okay. Z ZSD. So the reason why it's not set to where anyone could convert is because what will happen is you'll dilute the, um, the revenue yield to the point where it's like becomes meaningless. So to keep that like, uh, keep ZRS a thing that people really want, um, it's been kind of capped off at like this 800% collateralization level. Um, I think that's part of it. I, there's, I don't know all the different nuances of that. DMT might know, but like, that's the idea. So yeah, it's between four, anywhere below 800% collateralization, you'll be able to like freely turn, mint some ZRS to the point where some people are like thinking, hey, if you're hardcore about this, you could go and you could kind of like purposefully go get yourself some Zeph now, like maybe like a couple of million bucks worth and you can convert to ZSD um cause the collateralization ratio to drop whatever amount of zef you already have in the ecosystem you could then like convert it to zrs and then you could then convert your um your some of your zsd because now you're going to be over collateralized you could technically go and convert that zsd over back to zef if you want um and kind so of you could theoretically manipulate doing it that though is you're gonna oh, send i like that window, i like right? that you're gonna what you're going to send the coin with your initial buy-in. Right, exactly. So that's, that's the reason why it's hard to do that. But yeah, you exactly right. So yeah, if, if people had like a plan where they already had a bunch of Zeph right now, they could kind of do that. Like, let's say you had 10 million worth. You could take 2 million worth, convert it to ZSD, and then the rest of it you can convert to, you'd be able to instantly convert to ZRS. Um, and then, you know, like, so there's some games you could play. But the thing is like, Everyone can see the the change, right? The collateralization ratio. So some people probably have like bots and shit already set but up. But it's, it's pretty hard to do that if you don't have that Zeph yet, because if you buy that amount, with you're going to send the price. Yeah, you're going to send the price. So, yeah, but we are at nine hundred twenty percent reserve ratio at this point now. Right, right. So it's pretty, it's getting close. So that's the thing. Like, um, and you have to imagine like some people that have the the reserve the reserve token already might be interested in like the game theoretic might be like. They don't want the price to fall down to 15 bucks because then, you know, like other people can dilute their ZRS. So it actually makes sense for them to keep buying mm. up the Zeth and keeping the price up. Does that make sense? Oh. Like, if the price sends, the, the ZRS window may never open again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that's why, like, there, there may be some attempt to try to get to that drop where someone might want to convert a lot or something. Yeah, who knows when it, it opens again? Yeah, if the price goes crazy, like let's say you suddenly go off to like a billion market cap or some shit, and like you know the, nobody wants the ZSD, then it becomes um, the ZRS becomes super lucrative at that point. I got a question. Mm. Seems like you guys are talking about crypto again, and um, just nerd so, but you do it a lot. Like, what is it you like about it? Yeah. Like about the nerd talk. It's just like crypto. it's like no, playing what a video you like game. about crypto. I don't get it. Like I don't, I don't relate. It's just a video game. It's a game. It's like it's like chess or anything else. Right? Let me hold some. You're you're gonna hold it. What are you buying, Bruce? Autism and what else? Let me hold some. Oh no! Don't do the sound effects. They're painful. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I'm gonna trigger everybody. I'm triggering myself. I'm already triggered. Let's Let me go. hold some. Yeah. We're a bunch of autists, like, you know, you're going to make a bunch of noise in here. It's not good. Um, oh, my boss is what do you like about feeling, Bruce? I want to know. What do I like about what? 
feeling. See, like I like talking about technical because I don't. I, I'm emotionless, mm. right? But what do you like about feeling? About feeling. Yeah, I, mean, I, got, I don't think I. I don't think I feel. I'm more of a like a chameleon psychopath. Um, I'm good at pretending that I have like feelings and emotions. I think because oh, generally yeah. I'm I'm quite empty inside myself, as in um, I've never really identified as anything particular, and therefore I can allow a persona or a, a character or a certain biography to fill the space and pretend to be it. If you but if you act out love sufficiently enough, like and you act out pretending to um be loving or like in love or whatever um does that ultimately mm, I, materialize in you think, being loving or is that I think just, it might, like, could you truly be a true it psychopath? might impact others positively but i think a true psychopath is is like a neurostructural thing from birth um so sociopathy is is seems to be like early nurture and to some degree reversible but true psychopathy is is like an absence of brain regions so I, I don't know, but I think even if I am a psychopath, which I probably am, um, I can still have a positive effect on others. And if I do that, then I'm happy. Yeah, so being happy is definitely a path that one could take through technology talk or feelings, but I don't like feelings, so. My dad's gay. Yeah. I think it, it, it as happens. a psychopath, though, you can get appreciation or enjoyment from other things, even if you don't have emotions. Like you can have a sense of um, like aesthetic beauty. You can have things that, that satisfy you or the completion of a, a game in which you win against other humans can be satisfying. There are many things that satisfy me, um, like very long-term games where I take down somebody who's fucked with me. That that's the kind of thing I enjoy. I, I enjoy um, long enacted retribution. Interesting. I find in life that many things are fractalized, and if you see a pattern over and over through life repeating, it uh, you should ponder on it. Satisfaction is the important thing because the only reason people want to be happy is for satisfaction. I think if I was to say like my top three interests, probably um, revenge, um, aesthetic beauty as in as in visual beauty and art, and then um, power. Especially when I've I've climbed up a long time and then I I reach the top, and I leverage trust and other people's sort of. Um, naivety towards me and then I find a way to fuck them and use that power that's to me satisfying and then when I've done that I move on to the next thing that's a box of boxes right there yeah I mean, like it's it's a thing you can do for a while I mean like Bruce you might do that for a month but then like the next month you have something else happening well the, the the psychopath's burden is his proclivity to be bored you know it's like a, a i conquer and then i'm bored like what if there was a like intermittent psychopath like someone who maybe like one month or is triggered into some sort of like i don't know psychopathic mode for like a period of weeks or something and then converts back into some loving mm. creature for a while like legitimately like 
complete reversal is that even feasible or is it like the brain too hardcore like hardwired it seems like when people are traumatized or they go through difficult childhood and things they can become very um like hardened to emotions or closed off to emotions and act in somewhat psychopathic ways um and and enter it's sort of like the the transition into a to a fight or flight state can make you kind of psychopathic because your baseline paranoia and your baseline fear of others leads to very negative assumptions about them and and also leads to your fear front running them before they they seem to screw you over you have to screw them over right like this is very common um you have the opportunity to become a bipolar psychopath yeah the Sefi, in your time on the internet over the last uh, five years, have you seen a rise in mental illness you've encountered online? Mm, not really. I don't really spend too much time with like the completely deranged, I don't think. I see more of that in real life than I do here. Mm. I mean, you see people that post some wacky shit that is like, clearly not right in the head. But... Um, I think it also depends on the bubble you're in, right? Like who you're following and this and that on Twitter. So, um, yeah, and I don't, I don't really go into the trenches of like TikTok and YouTube weirdos either. So I, I think I don't have a good sampling size of what, what you're talking about. Why do you, have you noticed anything? Yeah, different? I reckon it's like strongly trending up over time. The more and more people are losing it online. Um, some weird interaction between like, um, I don't know what whatever's happened coming on all coming online and being so heavily online and um social media algorithms and now AI and everything else just the the, the complete interaction of all of that stuff I think more people are losing it I, I think I see it um I've seen it in like the the weird mental illness over time in relation to this account as well which has been interesting like the amount of people who have weird spin outs about like <laughs> alts or um other things or or develop paranoid delusions about certain accounts or whatever. It's just like gone up like crazy. Hello, Robin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, some of those, some of those lunk weirdos. Yeah. Look, a great example. What was that like? That woman. Like, uh, there's that really like gnarly voiced woman, the rough, gruff voice, yeah. and then there's like the other like she like. A Muslim doctor or something, mm. and she goes down some rabbit holes. There are a bunch. A bunch. A weirdo. Um, yeah. the, well, we were talking about this the other day in one of the chats. Like, it's like, what is it about onlineness that leads to mental illness? And there are a bunch of things. And one of the things is like, if you believe something delusive or um, some kind of weird belief you have, you will find it very hard to disprove it online. Like, if I believe that um, Sefi owns a hundred accounts and he's using them to fuck with me. How do I disprove that belief? Like I would literally have to go to his house and live with him for a month <laughs> to disprove it. Um, and then also beyond that, like the second thing is that um, when somebody believes something on the, internet, on the internet, they will never find it easier to find people who also believe that thing, right? It's like, it's the nerd's dream in, in terms of like, Sefi is into um, audio tech and I'm into chess and, and whoever's into whatever. Um, and we will find it very easy to find people who match our interest in our nerdy habits or our nerdy hobbies. But also, if you have a dysfunctional thing, like some kind of weird belief or delusion, 
you've never found it easier to, to find the same kind of people. And the algorithm like draws it's, it's worse, to you. I think it's worse than that because the algorithm is showing Exactly. You. Just like just exactly that, the that hashtag, the interest. It just, it's, the algorithm is literally designed to um, bring you close to your people, no amplified. matter how mobbish and witch hunty and ridiculously stupid they are. It, it'd be like it'd be like if you said I'm going to play um, chess for 18 hours straight every day, doing nothing else, and I'm going to do this for the next six months. Um, you won't find anyone like that'll. You won't have find articles or like YouTube videos or research or something suggesting you shouldn't do this. Like <laughs> the contrary you, would be true. Well, like, I was in the chess world for a long. Like I I got to a roundabout grandmaster standard at chess. Um, anyone can play me anytime, by the way. And um, in that world, the the people you encounter who are at that level are just like they're studying all day, they're slaving away all day, they're thinking about openings. Their social life is like uh, based on online stuff mainly, but analyzing stuff. They're arranging to analyze games with people. Um, they're, they're they're trying to outstudy each other. There's this sort of weird, like almost like an Asian academic thing where they, they pretend they're not studying as much so that they can lure the other person into a, like a sense of security and then outstudy them in secret. Like there's all these kind of dynamics going on. Um, really interesting. But one of the things is like, you will never find somebody who says like, we should probably have a more balanced life. We should probably like stop doing this so much because um, especially in like the, the mid realms or the lower realms of like grandmaster standard, um, the thing is with chess, it's like you have to be top 100 or so in the world. Um, there are, there, I think there are something like 5,000 grandmasters now, maybe more. But you have to be around the top 100 to get a significant earning in tournament play, right? To be able to, to, to go nationally or internationally and win tournaments and get money. Um, and now there's some like online tournament play, which you can do as long as you're verified with, with the website or whatever. But even so, it's, it's really the top 100 who make money. Um, and then beyond that, you get like a huge realm, like the trenches of grandmasters. They're the people who work their fucking ass off, but never got quite to the top. Right? Like they're the ones who who never got high enough to make a significant earning through actual play, and therefore they have to be coaches. Um, so you have this huge like coach realm, but it's really lowly paid and really kind of disgusting. Like you have these um, like Polish Ukrainian grandmasters who are earning like. But there's got to be some interesting like. Yeah. But each of those little subgroups, like the paid people versus the unpaid or whatever, the unpaid people are probably like, you know, complaining about how like some people are getting paid for chess well, and some people aren't. And there's, there's going to be like these sub these sub cults yeah. that no, you know, form for different types of moves or some shit. It's like, fine. But what, what I'm saying is like you, there's a whole realm of people, like a whole wedge of people, a whole segment of people who are working their ass off all day with chess but they have severely dim diminishing returns and their only income is coaching like complete beginners. <laughs> that's like, that's like a massive segment of chess. Um, and as a result, they're all basically working for nothing and they have almost no chance of reaching the highest levels because you have to do it pretty young objectively. Um, and their entire life will be coaching. I guess beginners. It's, a, it's the same economy around like high school sports and stuff too. Mm to some extent yeah. but like do you think the internet made all that worse? yeah, like, yeah it's it, like... but it's like you you have this weird like self-perpetuating layer of people who are working their ass off for like almost zero diminishing returns and like um confirming each other's sense of identity continually because they're surrounded by chess freaks and and it matters to them 
and like it's the Bruce, next game, the next thing to learn. Question here, Bruce: how, how is that relating to most people are losing it? I, I just try to follow your train of thought here because you just came from that corner. Um, we're, we're just talking about the way that that being on the internet allows you to find people who confirm your sense of identity and meaning, um, and also your your willingness to work in really extreme but ineffective or dysfunctional ways. And the example is that like in the chess scene, you have people who are working for like severe diminishing returns and who cannot make okay. a professional career out of it. But they, so do it. they do it because they're surrounded okay. by the same kind of people. And for them, they all have so, that same sense of identity and same sense of meaning. And you see this all okay. across the internet, no matter what you get involved with, no matter what the interest is. You know, if you get in the audio community or if you get in the group training community or the chess community or, or even the crypto community, um, there's the sense that you are being ensconced or surrounded by people who have that same sense of meaning. And because your mind is like no longer exposed to contrary thinking or balanced thinking, it's like you, you get really enmeshed in it and it becomes your meaning or your identity. And then it's like you, you maybe wake up five years later, like, hang on a minute. I was associating only with a very like specific set of a very narrow set of people and they're all fucking dysfunctional and weird. And I've just been in a haze for the last five years because I've like somehow um, been in a weird, like uh, hypnotic trance of my male brain of surrounding myself. So with some the same kind of meaning. frustration or self um, disillusion. Well, I mean, it happens. It happens easier than ever now, right? Like you, you get online, you post about something, you find your people, and then you associate with your people, and, and your people are talking about the same thing, the same meaning, the same story. It happens everywhere in life. It happens like if I go to Wall Street and I work on Wall Street, I find the same kind of people in the boiler room and they all have the same sort of interests. And, and it just like it, it congeals on my, my brain really quickly. But online, it, it's like the, the weirdness of onlineness is like how narrow these interests can be, right? It's like how narrow and fixated you can find people who are interested in your things. But the flip side of that is like, okay, if I'm a weird kind of human and I have interesting, uh, like rare interests, then I find the same kind of people. That's beautiful. Um, the downside is like it's never been easier to form a mob. <laughs> it's, ne it's never been easier to confirm a delusion and have a group of people who believe something absurd or violent or like jihadi or whatever, right? It's, it's. So you're, you're spending a lot of time, I guess, here uh, uh, that uh, just scanning the, scanning Twitter and finding weird groups, right? Am I wrong? No, it's right? like it's just <laughs> it's anyone's observation of being on the internet. You you find these rabbit holes, and you if you're on Twitter, then you find like everyone here is a freak, right? They have a very narrow set of interests. You have some people who've been sort of baited in and and have a bit more broadness, but most people here are complete freaks. Like they have a very narrow sense of identity and and the story of self, um, and they're here to confirm it. <laughs> that's like that's what this space is. Yeah, and like each individual thing is generally its own thing. So like chess is the only game in town for the people that play chess. Like I don't know what else they would move to, but that's the case with every coin and everything like that as well. Yeah, well, I mean, if you, there are people as well who they play chess to a high level, and maybe they get into poker, um, and maybe they do something else, and they do this weird sort of migratory like it's like they move horizontally. But what they're actually doing is always exactly the same thing, right? Like they, they learn the game in the same way. They have the same relationship to the fundamental thing. It's like if you were to look in their brain at the pattern of activation on some kind of brain scan, it would be hitting around the same areas, right? 
and they would develop the same sort of personal meaning about it. And they would feel almost the same way when they win or lose, right? They would be on the same path and the same part of the brains being activated and whatever. Um, there's a lot of like this weird, like horizontal movement you find as well in these, these sort of communities and things. Same with crypto. It's like one coin, the next coin, whatever you, you're moving on, but it's the same thing again and again and again. It's the same, like you're not really being challenged. You're not, your mind isn't really being opened in a fundamental way. It's like, it's, it's sort of just a, a flatness or a sameness again and again. Yep. It's also like this interesting <clears throat> environment where the contrarian opinion uh, gets completely drowned out anyway. So it's like it, it feeds into that same thing with the algos or whatever. Especially, but there's been some there's been some people on the internet that really, really make a name for themselves um, being the anti-hero for any particular community. That's like a whole thing. Pretty, pretty interesting how that works, too. And I'm not like and then that's the other funny thing, like that dude or whoever has a special type of follower too. Like, have you seen the kind of people that follow that type of person? Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really interesting test in some ways. Kind of see like, wait a minute, like what kind of pessimists can I attract? <laughs> it's a weird group. And you see this in like some of the conspiracy groups and other things too. But it's very, um, like it's even that is always the same, right? Like, like the kind of person who does well is, is kind of algorithmic in his qualities right and if he dares change identity in some kind of fundamental way like you will find like a revolt or a, a like the sphere does not respond anymore <laughs> it's it's very like identity story related um but yeah like there are loads of these archetypes and things people going in different directions um but you see in everyone how people get really enmeshed in in the story and the confirmation and um like mental narrowness it's never been easier to be to be narrow to occupy a narrow um, mental segment and have that confirmed by everyone. Yeah, it's a great filter, right? You have all the buttons, you just have to adjust it. The game right now is like, like in the crypto space at least, it's like everyone trying to find, there's so much shit out there. It's like everyone's saying like, hey, come to my narrow band of things. Uh, come to my narrow band of like coin or whatever. Uh, don't go to that other thing, you know, <laughs> like pay more attention to this thing. Um, so it's like it's interesting how it evolves over time. Like the number of potential rabbit holes have gotten bigger and bigger. The number of like music groups you can listen to has gotten bigger and bigger. But each of those individual groups has way less attention than before. Mm, so it's like it's like very culturally um, splitting or almost divisive in a sense. Everyone has their own little music band they like and whatever. Like the odds that you're going to find like two children in a given country having a similar cultural experience anymore is dropping fast. Like their like their entire musical experience, for example, may be completely unrecognizable from the guy next door, um, and things like that. But like someone posted a, a an image of this, like there's a video of people celebrating in like Times Square or something for in New York, and they compared like what the crowd looked like recently versus like 20 years ago. And you know, in 20 years ago, everyone's like kissing each other and like you know a lot more um, like I don't know excited or whatever it is. And um, like on more recent images, like more people are like playing on their phone, like showing uh, like video, taking video of what's happening around them as opposed to actually just enjoying the moment. Um, but yeah, it's almost like th there's like, even when you get to a place where there's supposed to be a shared culture, like an event or something, people aren't able to really like, enjoy that the same way, maybe. And that's definitely happening. Like, you know, like you'd imagine like you go to a, a ball game or something where like, 
you know, the song being played is only recognized by a small fraction of the people listening. So it's like, there's nothing to dance to. No one's vibing, that kind of thing. Oh, I mean, you had a glimpse during the lockdowns, right? Look at the soccer games in Europe. They had these ghost games where the guys were playing with no one in the stadium. <laughs> it's like perfectly weird, right? <laughs> Let me hold some. What are you holding? Let me hold some. Pow, pow. Oh, don't start sound effects now. <sighs> oh, who's Monroe here? Monroe Preacher, what are you up to? You're new around here. I don't get the sense that's a real person. Yeah, if I, yeah, where are the new people at? What's that? Go ahead. Oh, he's, he's real. No, he's, he's real. Not. Hold on. If I had to give you some feedback, Seth, it would be that you're too liberal in allowing people to speak. You don't curate enough. Yeah, I don't really care. Like, I just, if someone shows up, because it's so hard to tell who's real and who isn't sometimes. No, you get it. Nor can I be bothered to worry feel, about it. To feel the it's vibe, like, Seth. They'll show up and, you know, they decide, you know, are they going to say something or not? It's not a big deal. Where does Zara one, go? Like, one here, wrong speaker not. can kill an entire space. This is true. Let me hold some. Let me hold some. Uh, Tokir, what are you up to, man? Uh, nothing much. Just finished some meetings. It's quite uh, late. Hey, Bruce. Uh, always keenly looking to hear your voice, bro. Amazing spaces. Much love. I will. I will share a very. Uh, I will share a very uh, interesting incident. And. Um, while when when Bruce was distributing and giving all his people who are his fans and I being one of them, so he he was very generous. He gave me a lot of uh, autism, and um, I realized that hmm, they're talking about like you know uh, what the like project is. Nobody was talking about it. Bruce was just giving it away. Midas was just giving it away. I don't know what to do. So when you want, for example. So what I did is like, I went and I, I sold some, I was like, I'll see what happens. A lot of weird things happened, but then Bruce, I, uh, Bruce texted me and I bought back the token, right? Uh, Bruce texted and he's like, okay, so I loved you hard, but you couldn't love me back. So I bought it back. But then suddenly the, um, what Bruce did is like when I bought like, let's say, uh, whatever I sold a little more than that, Bruce sent me or someone he sent through uh, another 100,000 um, tokens of autism, which was quite a substantial amount. I mean, I wanted to talk to Bruce about it, but I know he was busy with other stuff. But yeah, the, the idea is that um, if you share love, um, especially... So this coin has, the coin has affected you personally? Oh, now. too much. Too much. It's not the money you need. It's basically um, like everyone had money. Everyone had crypto in their wallets. They wouldn't care if there was one less token in their wallet. They, nobody expects, nobody has done such a big airdrop. 
right? So we all talk about airdrops, airdrops, but this wasn't really an airdrop. It really connected me more to the whole community that we have known from so long. And uh, it really, really made me feel like, no, um, we should, everyone should basically, and, and the way love is rewarded is not only just basically monetary aspects of it, right? So it just makes you, make you more and more connected to other people that you actually know in this space full of like bots, like you were saying, like people care, the real ones care. But yeah, super, super thanks to uh, Coach Bruce, man, and Midas. Awesome. Thank you. It's been uh, probably one of the most interesting social experiments or art experiments like in crypto ever, in my opinion. <laughs> like like the amount of emotions people have felt. Um, very interesting. And, and you have a huge spectrum of people, right? Like a lot of people just embraced it fully and they, um, they, they decided to give away everything. And like, um, I've got such, I've probably got over a hundred messages now from people who are like, yeah, I, I just embraced the whole thing. I, I realized that like I had this inner temptation to sell everything, but I ended up just giving it away. And, and I realized that the, the more people's lives I touched by giving them something they didn't expect, the better I felt. And like, I've got like by giving out autism, I've got such nice messages from so many people. Um, so I've got a load of these like really nice messages. And then you had people who sort of, um, they gave away some and held onto some or gave away some and dumped some. Um, you have people as well who just dumped everything immediately and didn't, didn't speak about it. Um, and, and then I had like a lot of people who are like, um, you know, I'm really grateful, but I'm just in this terrible situation and, have this medical thing or whatever and i was like don't worry about it just like sell it it's fine um and and then you have people as well like that who, who just like were genuinely feeling blessed by it um in a cool way and and like everyone's different right um for some people it was like make or break um and they never it almost like a miracle for them um but it was very interesting as well like the, the sort of the the internal emotions people felt like gratitude and greed and like some people felt very entitled. Some people regarded it as an airdrop. They just like was impersonal money. Other people regarded it as like a very cherished gift. Um, and then the dynamic of like, because I was giving out this gift and because other people were giving out gifts in turn, like I kind of started the, the wave or the, the domino effect. But then like initially I, I just chose people who I regarded, who regarded as like kind or playful or um, humorous, like just, just nice qualities to deal with. And then after that, those people in turn started giving it out and it went out like much beyond me. It spread out, it rippled out. Um, but it was interesting as well, because like if, if somebody gifted somebody else and they, that person then dumped, it was like, Oh, you dumped my gift. <laughs> you dumped my Christmas gift. Um, you know, you must, you must not respect me or, um, you know, you must, uh, you must not really have much gratitude or appreciation for what happened. And then you got this interesting dynamics where it's like people sort of, um, I don't know, it's almost like they revealed their, their, their true colors in being presented a choice between short-term greed and, and like gratitude or appreciation or focusing on the message. Um, very interesting, like all the dynamics, like the, the loyalty things and the greed things and, and everything else. Like it's been just like a fascinating, like especially with my DMs, my, my DMs over the last few weeks have been fascinating. The amount of you know, people feeling things. You know, Bruce, um, 
in the beginning, I did not know what the token stands for, right? When I saw the token, I'm like, first of all, what are these guys up to? Midas and me, we haven't spoken in long, long time. And he sent me this, um, and he sent me this message, what's your injector wallet? I never even had an injector wallet. I was like, I don't have one, I can download one, what is it about? But first I thought, first you think it's just the money, right? It's just the money. I have a lot of money, I'm, I'm okay, alhamdulillah, right? I'm doing, I'm doing fine in life. But then for an instance, he sent me this token and I'm like, hmm, but I don't know what it stands for, right? So it's just a token. Okay, I don't know what this token is. Maybe it's helping a project or something like that, like every crypto guy thinks. And I was like, I don't know, maybe he got me whitelisted or whatsoever. And he said, hey, it's a, it's a gift. I was like, okay. And I went and I sell. But then I realized, no, after selling at that time, I thought, oh, now I know what it stands for, right? It really, like, you know, it hurt me that when I got a message from, you and it was not like hey like you know why the fuck did you sell and blah 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 no it was just like those lines are like you know there but they hit me personally i was like you know what fuck it i gotta pick i, I gotta buy it back i can't just sell it right so um it's not like you know i need that money but it's basically i i need the clan because if you don't have a clan you're a clown so that's why we are here that's why we have been here from I don't know, through the most terrible storms of crypto. I mean, like, I think like the, the biggest balls that anyone has in the crypto community is the Luna community. And I see a lot of similar faces every single time since then. But do you really have, do other communities have, like, I, I want to speak to everyone, like, you know, who's listening, like, since how long you have been in crypto and you have seen those consistent communities who actually do care. So yeah, I would, I think like Sefi, Bruce, all of the guys, how they kept it together. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I can never think of selling it. Let it fucking go to zero. Let those, those people sell it. I don't care. But yeah, I can have maybe five years from now, have it in my wallet and say, this is, this is the mark of friendship that the people that I have never seen, never met, and I still hold those stamps of friendship that we have. Yeah, it's like getting a, it's almost like uh, there's different people, you know, like if you get a greeting card, like, um, you know, for a birthday card or a, you know, wedding congratulations or something like that, you know how there's, a, you know, people will send you like a card. I think there's the people that like sort of remember that and they don't necessarily like, they just throw it away. There's other people that probably like keep it on the counter for, you know, a number of weeks or months or whatever. And then like, okay, I've got too many things and they throw it away. And there's other people that like hold all of their, you know, uh, cards they've ever received over their entire lifetime and stick them in a box or something. So yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like everyone's a little bit different in terms of how they interpret that, um, that kind of like gift or memento or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. To be honest, like, like if, if you look at it from the greed perspective, it's a lot of money. I had like more than like $20,000, right. For an average person to think about like, I, I had, and it like that, that, like, for example, first it was like five, then it became 10, then it became 20. I was like, that's a lot of money. If you, if you, for example, ask anyone that, well, how much $20,000? But again, one has to understand it's not just the money, right? So, um, yeah, 
it's as you said, he said, it's like that card that you collect. It's always going to be there. Well, the other strange thing about crypto things is like um, the value of the thing does not go up unless a lot of people have it. Um, there is kind of an effect of like distribution and such that like, yeah, maybe you only have one tenth of what you got when you first got it because you gave the rest away. But that one tenth, like, you know, thousand X's, whereas mm -hmm. if everyone holds like it doesn't go any like the value doesn't go anywhere because people aren't willing to um if only three people hold it why in the world would someone go buy the thing it doesn't make any sense yeah there's, there's sort of a like a i don't know like a spiritual dynamic to it but it's also quite effective at getting holders so like the the core intention is sort of like um we're all online and we interact with online people every day um and and many of them like touch our lives in some way or represent or embody some kind of positivity or kindness or um you know maybe like Yusef you're a good educator in different ways um or maybe me like more of a humorist or something um it, but everyone has like a a thing they they contribute or a, like an essence and and things about them that people appreciate um so I, like the the core idea was really to create like a chain of gratitude it's like um, I'm giving you autism because I appreciate you. It's like, it's like, I, I appreciate like the way you've made me laugh over time or your positivity or the way you've chosen to tell the truth, even if it has ended up bad for you in some way. Um, so I'm going to make you autistic and it's sort of like a silly thing, but it's, it's like, it's a gratitude chain. And then it's like, how do you honor the fact that somebody has made you autistic? Well, you honor it by carrying that on. It's like, okay, I've, I've expressed my gratitude for you and for someone else and for, you know, however many people I gifted. And in turn, you can do the same for someone else. You know, it's, it's an opportunity to say what you would otherwise not say, right? To, to pass on a, a feeling of gratitude or appreciation to, to someone else on the internet that you wouldn't usually do. Um, but it's kind of cool because it's like the, <laughs> the, 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 you have the price dynamic at the same time, right? So people are sort of, having this weird internal fight where it's like, hang on a minute, this is a lot of money, but at the same time, the essence of the thing is gratitude. So what do I do? Like, how do I weigh up the gifting and the dumping? And then as the price goes down, it's like, oh, well, actually the trade-off isn't so bad now. So I might as well gift it. Might as well give it away. Um, and then the effect of that is like, as the price goes down, people tend to favor the gifting more. Um, and therefore the, the holder base expands more. So it's interesting. It's like, has a sort of a virality into it. Um, like I, ideally, if I do this well and I release like the thing that I've specced out now, like a more of a gifting protocol, um, then as price goes down, holder base should go up exponentially, which should be interesting as well. <laughs> like, because if you have a like, it's almost like the the market cap of a coin in in some senses reflects how many holders it has, because that's like a, a, it's basically a mirroring of the the attention it has, right? Or people with skin in the game, and that is worth something of itself. Yeah, it's like the magic. It's just this magic of distribution mm. and like how you get there. And people have been trying to crack this code for quite some time now, right? Like you remember when, uh, what was it called? Like uh, Flipside Crypto or something? Remember? Yeah. The guy, like, I think it was, uh, I forget his name. Is it GJ or something? Yeah. Like he, they had this system where they would see what kind of shit you did in DeFi. They would see like, did you use certain protocols? Did you use all the protocols? Did you use whatever? And they gave you like a score. Remember that? This is on Terra. And um, your score was based on how much shit you interacted with. And if you interacted with everything, well, like 
and you know some new project comes out, it does make sense to distribute more airdrops to this group versus that group. So it's just like a way of selecting. Um, not to say that that's like the best way yeah. or the only way. Or how, how many of the airdrops lately happened as well, like uh, yeah. Levana and stuff? I think it, it was adjusted for trade usage using things like Mars or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then like some of us who, you know, couldn't be bothered, like some people like, oh, I'm going to go and buy this thing. I'm going to go stake this thing only for the airdrop because like it's airdrop season or whatever. It's going to make a lot of money. And um, I don't know, like I, I don't have, I just don't enjoy like keeping a calendar of all the different airdrops and figuring all that shit out. So I just don't do it. Right. Like, but there's definitely people that love to do all that stuff. Like, so different things attract different people, I think, as far mm -hmm. as, um, these like incentives or whatever. Yeah. But you also like, if, if you were to follow that approach purely, you might just select for people who use protocols, but don't really talk. They're not active on social media. Right. Like they, right. they sort of this weird, like if you go for the pure numbers, you get sort of a weird distribution in different ways. Um, you also might get people who are more like opportunistic, more rational thinking. They just like dump it. It's like, oh, it's money. And I, I already have my setup or whatever. Um, you can't really like, like a protocol will find, will find it hard to vampire somebody who is using another protocol and quite happy, right? They're more likely to just dump it and stick to what they know. Um, right. The, yeah. the experiment here was like, what if I pick the, the like top 1% most creative, most kind, most playful? most humorous people and just put the money entirely in their hands <laughs> like what would that be worth and i think it's worth quite a lot um i think it's worth even more when the 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 dumpers and people leave right it's like quite interesting as a distribution i don't think there's anything quite like it i think the closest thing is maybe um the distribution of a particularly artful nft maybe something like milady or something um where it's like filtering for some kind of uh I don't know, like a like an interest in spirituality and maybe an interest in um, some kind of philosoph philosophical or, or aesthetic taste. Um, then, then like combined with the willingness to to buy it at a certain price. Um, but I think this is more interesting, like personally, like the distribution. And I also think you know, we didn't, you know, what we didn't really play on that we probably should have is that um, when you gift autism to somebody. Mm. You should do it with a, a memo when you send the actual thing. So there's like a yeah, chain of... I mean, there's... There, it, we didn't focus on... There are lots that of things nice. that I, I like thought of in hindsight um, and different ways I would launch it and, and distribute it better. But um, I, I think just the fact of it being personal is powerful as well, right? Like as, as Tukir says, it's like um, the fact that you received it as a gift and an act of appreciation makes you infinitely more invested than other tokens um it's like oh for, yeah you, you you think about it it occupies a bit more like mind space yeah even if um, um it, it yeah. like it does for me and i know the whole like the whole deal with it right like i understand the whole nature of it but even still like it occupies a, like a certain place in my mind every day um you know what's happening with it mm -hmm. what are people saying what are people doing or you know I think at, at minimum, you, at minimum, people felt something, right? Or they were in some kind of dilemma, <laughs> on on some kind of continuum of emotions, um, which is like enough. It's it's like far more than than any other airdrop. Um, and then also, it's it's like the it's the formalization of a social layer that exists anyway. Like 
the people who attend our spaces, the people who we interact with, the people who play around with. It's the, the converging, the, the like gluing of all of that into a token and saying like, how much is that layer actually worth? Like how much is that layer of people when organized and financialized into a structure? How much is that worth of itself? And it's, it's worth quite a lot. Like it's, it's probably worth way more than the current market cap, <laughs> whatever that happens to be. I say as people dump autism. Well, I mean, like, who, who like, how was the initial, um, like, what was the strategy for doing the initial LP for this? How, like, how did that work? Like, did you put a significant amount of money yourself, or did people just sort of like you put a seed amount and then people just started doing? Um, I put in like adding to it, or no, what happened I, with I, that? I think I put in like twenty k or something myself start with and then um when i gifted i said here's a gift like no expectation do what you like um but i would appreciate if you passed on the token of gratitude to a few other people and i would also um appreciate it bonus points if you lp some of it and that that was an interesting distribution strategy as well because like um you could see the the autism token as essentially being created out of nothing right like what the fuck is a market cap on a new coin right it's like it's the price I set on the LP based on the ratio right. of tokens. Um, and then... Um, some, some kind of relatively... Yeah, like, like, who, like who, who really cares at that point? But then because I said, because I gave the apparent gift to people, because I gave like $1,000 or something, and I said um, LP, then at that point, people got injective off exchanges and paired it with the autism token. Um, and suddenly there was real money coming into the system out of the, the the willingness to reciprocate from the the illusory money i gave them right <laughs> so it's kind of silly like it was like um you can get people to put a lot of money into lps just out of reciprocation even when the initial market cap is kind of illusory mm. like it's a weird like reciprocal leverage but yeah it was that to start with i think the i don't know what the lp is now like 250k or something I can easily make it a lot more, but I would need to probably sell um, OTC tokens to do it or get a grant or something if I want to keep it pure. Yeah, without dropping the actual price. Um, yeah, like I could, I could, like without I could definitely, half I could sell to someone with long-term investment um, quite easily or lock up or whatever, or even a foundation that were interested. Um, and then, um, or, or do a token swap or something be very easy <clears throat> like let's say i swap um autism for injective or something with the injective foundation or something you know anything like that then i use that injective to pair with um other autism that i have to make a fat lp i noticed you had some of it go into the the lion dow treasury i think right mm, no Particular purpose no, or I what? Think it's just like people donating it. Hmm. Not like a strategy. But, I think just somebody decided to donate to it. Because that would be like a reasonable thing to do. Like, um, uh, if it's like there's a certain amount of, I don't know, how does Astroport do like the yield rewards uh, for doing LP, for example? Um, have like a, like, is it, um, does it give you any rewards or is that something you have to set or is that something that Astroport does or like, how does that work? Like the yield from it? Well, I mean, there's, 
different so there's like being an lp in a regular pool right and um the amount of volume through it there's that and then there's um on astroport if you have a pool for four weeks and you meet certain criteria then you can apply for astro rewards like astro incentives um but you have to go through governance for that but some like relative meme coins have got it the issue with with that is they've reduced the fees now like quite significantly like they don't need such big incentives anymore because they've got enough liquidity um the, you know, the, that's, they produce the the incentive rewards. Yeah, so Astro is becoming more um, scarce now um, because, like, really the the function of of Dex incentives is to to try and bootstrap liquidity, and then you reduce it with time. Um, but they've got like a lot now, so um, there's that. And then in the next two weeks with Astroport, they're rolling out the ability for any user to add incentives themselves, um, different ones. So if I have an autism slash USDC pool or something, I'll be able to fund it with with autism incentives, which will be cool as well. Like the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's like you should have a bunch of like. Uh, it'd be funny if it was like incentivized with like a variety of other tokens. Or can you only do Astro? Incentives? No, you you like, no. It's it, that right now. It's only Astro and through governance. And in the next two weeks, it'll be um, up to five and custom from the user. Okay. So, notice by the way, um, uh, we were talking about this the other day um, that both uh, Dow Dow, um, and I don't know if Dow Dow connects to Injective now or not, but Dow Dow and also Enterprise, you know, on Terra, um, Enterprise, like both of them do like some cross chain interesting shit, but like you could uh, easily create like a uh, a system there where you know, you you could create like some system where stakers of the coin or something like that get you know some like treasury benefits or whatever. It's similar similar to kind of like how Landout works. I don't know if you saw how that plays out, but it's pretty cool stuff. Like the ease with which you can build stuff on those without having any like coding ability is pretty cool too. What I don't know is if you can use like a token effectively like autism. Um that was not created by that system though you know what i mean like enterprise dow can create a token for you or dow dow can create a token for you i don't know if it can incorporate a token that already exists into the ecosystem somehow i'm not sure because autism was created like um as what is like an injective token factory type of thing or how did you how was it made like how, how did you initially print it Um, yeah, yeah, just just token factory. Um, okay. Just looking at stuff. I noticed that the supply now is four three four four three four four three four. Was there some like mm-hmm. special meaning behind this number? It um, yeah, there is. It's like numerology. Okay. I think it. it I forgot. It, I think it breaks down to life path thirty three and some other magical meanings and things. So, but this happened like after you'd burned a bunch of it, right? Because you burned like what, at, 50 started at, um, percent or something. Start, what is it now? Four, three, three million. Okay, it started at one billion. So, mm-hmm. like fifty-six percent of it have gone. Okay. Are you, is it like the theory to burn a certain amount every so often, or like what? No, is that like a news no, I just I just like got rid of it because I had too much. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Interesting stuff. 
yeah, I'm just looking at how the the sort of Astroport thing sort of works over here. Um, it's been a, like it's been a long time since I played doing LPs and things. Just looking at it here. But yeah, basically, right now, for anyone that cares, like uh, the token autism is available on Injective, and there is um, I'm trying to figure out like. There's, um, yeah, basically, um, Bruce, which page um, on Injective do you go to sort of do the LPing? Like, I'm trying to find that thing. Like, I can see the page with the total assets. Um, and it just shows you, like, current supply of the asset, the value of the asset market cap-wise. Um, but I don't see, that like, where, where you can't find the page where you do the actual LPing. I don't know. I, I'm new to this crypto thing. Yeah. Just a normal guy. Markets activity, maybe under markets. I gotta I gotta go. I have a, a date with my meditation cushion. Hmm. Okay. Gonna go meditate for an hour. Sounds good. Gonna go pray for you all. Do it. Do it. Join me if you like. We can connect energetically. Okay. Fairy King, you're gonna say something? Or I used to I used to um, just open spaces for an hour and I call it meditation space and I left the space open while I just sat and meditated for an hour and said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I oh I, I unmuted myself to play the gong at the start and the end. Um and then when, uh, what I used to, it's quite kind of funny. What I used to do is I'd, I'd start the space and then I'd do the gong sound and then I'd literally start meditating um, for the whole hour. And then I would look at my screen for the people who joined the space and I would send their little profile pictures, like a, a feeling of love and appreciation. Like I'd, like I'd have my phone open to the side of me and I'd look at like, so you are or whoever joined and I would like send them, send them like love. Like I, I pray for this being to be happy. And I, I pray for this being to be like calm and peaceful and achieve their goals, whatever. And then I'd move on to the next one. And every, like every 10 minutes or so, I'd open my eyes and like see who's in there and send them love as well. <laughs> kind of funny thing. And then um, the end of the meditation, I just end like it was sort of a weird like hybrid uh, love sending to a little profile picture and weird like miladies and people. Um, and also just like regular meditation. Kind of nice. And I also, I like the idea that people were meditating with me somewhere in the world. Um, and it somehow like motivated them to do it. But that's all spiritual shit nobody cares about. Yeah, I meditated a few times when that happened. Mostly crypto. Yeah, it's mostly crypto nerds here, Bruce. That's why. Occasionally you'll find somebody... Mm. In, in many ways, like the autism thing is kind of funny because it's like, it's the, it's like, um, really the audience for autism would be like a pure spiritual community who's into this shit. <laughs> it's like trying to introduce the concept of gratitude and, and stuff into the greediest possible world and, and the, the, the humor of that. It's kind of funny. Yeah. It's like a, is it, is it an irony? Is it kind of like just a, like a dissonance or something? Wow, I mean, if you were to pick like the 
the most adversarial, greedy place possible. It will be be right right here. <laughs> yes, probably true. Okay. All right, date with the pillow it is. Cushion. Cushion. Okay. Goodbye, friends. Right. Nice to, nice to speak to you, Tukia and uh, Yura and anyone else. Speak to you, Goodbye. Bruce. Have a good night. Speak to you soon. Take care. Sefi, I'll also bounce. It's a bit late here. Tomorrow I have work. Sure thing. See you later. All right, guys. Take care. Salam alaikum. Bye-bye. Uh, oh, Muhammad popped up earlier. Um, did you have some comment that we passed up on already? Some subject or what? Yeah, Safi, how are you? And hello to everyone. So, yeah, it's kind of an uh, interesting thing that you you guys talk about the uh, autism. So, yeah, I I have seen this thing like uh, randomly on my my you know wall on Twitter. So I was not sure what's what that thing is. So, yes, it's. Uh, you guys like uh, told this about so what's going on like uh, people dumped it or what's up like now it's never... it's basically a um it's just a coin created by bruce um people can buy it they can you know give gift it to each other whatever um it was not really meant to really be necessarily worth a whole lot of anything necessarily it's worth i mean whatever it is on paper you know, whatever. But um, yeah, like it'll have, you know, some people just bought it on Injective, like on the Astroport decks. And of course, some people just like speculated on it and pumped the price up a bit and whatever. Um, so who knows what the actual value will be one day? It will be lower, it will be higher. Who knows? Who cares? Um, it was just sort of like a coin created out of thin air by, by um, Bruce. And he's kind of supporting it with some interesting ideas. That's all it is. Yeah, there's no pressure to buy it for profit or something like that at all let's put it that way <laughs> it's just it's just a fun thing oh okay okay so oh i got that so yeah i, I was thinking like it's something like, there is something going on but you know i was not into it so yeah okay it's just, so it's a proof of virtue concept um coin um it's really far off in like you know the fringes of the internet type of thing so yeah it's it's not like a meant to be some kind of special investment or something like that yeah buy some if you like it you can lp it if you like it you can get some and gift it to everybody if you like it um it's more of a like a proof of virtue concept thing you're really only supposed to give it to people that uh you believe are uh like basically generally good people in uh maybe the you know twitter or blockchain space or whatever and that's all it is it's like a little it's like think of it like a like a kind of like a, a gift uh think of it like a you know how you have the like you know someone gives a card for a wedding or something like that think of it like that <laughs> like or for a birthday or something like that it's really meant for just gifting that's all but yeah uh king you were saying go ahead yeah Seth, yeah I'm, I'm so disappointed like um i'm so bad at pitching um i was just like let us know like maybe if you maybe you can like at a late stage um like um i was like trying to get like uh, i i don't know if he's like okay and comfortable with me mentioning his name um duncan like you're trying to get something started like uh for a long time now um so if like bruce is looking for a place to like get rid of uh, some of that autism 
or to inject it or something like Osmosis Swap allows you to do that. I revisited like a lot of those things into uh, Osmo. Um, because I, I learned like you can get caught out on like a negative 12% and stuff like that. Like the, the netty glitch is, is what people sleep on, right? Like where you make your losses and stuff. Um, so like if you was looking for like a, a revenue um, to make that useful because it's looking to get rid of it, I can help with that. Um, I'm not sure what he's trying to do with it exactly. He mostly just gives it to, to people just for for free for that uh, he thinks deserve it. That's all. <laughs> like that's pretty much the game. It's a proof of virtue is the concept. He actually got the domain name proofofvirtue.com, which is kind of funny. So he's building a little website for it and stuff. So yeah, I don't I don't know what all like plans and stuff he has for it as far as like it's not it's not really an effort to try to like big time monetize this or anything. I mean it may go up in value because it's tied to um like injective in the in the what do you call it, the trading pairs. So it's a um yeah, if you like it to support the idea, you can certainly buy some. Um you know, but like yeah, don't buy it with the intent that it's like uh you're supposed to make a giga, big gig of money with it or something. It's not like, <laughs> I, I don't know that it's going to go up in value or anything like that. It's just more for, it's more for entertainment for fun. Mm, but anyway, yeah. Did you see Pet King that like um, enterprise added some cross chain staking solutions on uh, their system as well? Like I know you were looking at Dow Dow and, Enterprise has some new features they announced today, so that might be worth looking at as well. Interesting stuff. I skimmed through it, but I'm going to have to read that properly. Um, I saw you through a space open, and you did make a post about it. So, yeah, I'll get back to that soon. That money, um, if people want to look at this while we're talking, it's basically um, dao.enterprise.money is the um, URL, and you can basically make your own little DAO. You can... Um, like, you know, it basically is like DAO tooling, just like DAO DAO is, and you can make your own little DAO. Like Skeleton Punks has one, Galactic DAO has one, Lion DAO has one, um, a bunch of little, uh, Rack FM has one. So a bunch of people made some various DAOs on this system to test it out. And um, you can use it to like do cross-chain staking and other stuff now too. So a lot of interesting um, projects on here. There's also a bunch of BS ones on here that are like people that just tested and stuff. Um, I guess there's no way to delete one on here once it exists. So this, the list is getting kind of big, but cool stuff anyway. Um, and like Backbone Labs and Eris Protocols has like 3.53 million in it. Terraform Labs Liquidity Multisig has 46 million in it. So it's it's pretty much uh, like capable of handling substantial amounts of money and. Um, built by TFL essentially, so it could be pretty good stuff. Anyway, yeah, this is going to be like the ability to, for everyone to make their own little DAOs for different pro different reasons um, is definitely going to be a lot easier this season compared to last with both DAO DAO and Enterprise Money as good options. Pretty cool stuff. Pepe, you there? You have your mic on for once. <laughs> We've never heard Pepe speak here, uh, so maybe he'll grace us with the presence. Okay. Yeah, no worries. One sec. Sorry. 
I'll just mute because like, I think he didn't notice his mic was on. Anyway, yeah, Muhammad, you buy any coins or anything today? I picked up some more Sapphire today. I picked up some more Chainlink today. Um, uh, are you buying anything in particular? Or King? Like what kind of things are in your, like in your investment DAO or whatever that you're building? Um, at the moment, like the highest APR is coming from Osmosis. So like ideally, like what I'd like to do is like just get that um, collection um, to to get that's basically like the, a startup for me, right? Like not just for me, it's going to enable me to like, um, you know, pay people wages and stuff. So it's not just like a me thing. It's like a, um, it's a bigger picture. Like we ultimately want like better UI and UX, right? Um, You'd like to have like enough assets in the thing that it produces some sort of revenue and that revenue then can be used to pay people and build from that. Yeah. Like like that. That's the goal, right? But this early in the crypto market, like if you put in money into LPs and things, um, don't you just end up suffering more from like impermanent loss issues at this point? Like, cause most coins are more likely to go up at this stage in the cycle, right? Compared to going down. So like the odds of, you making more on the interest rate yield on those LPs versus um, simply just owning the coin and having go up in value is my question on that. Um, so, so I thought about it like, like carefully, right? Like I had to find a way where like um, primarily the holders have to like benefit uh, more than what like the company does. Or if you want to call it a company at this point, you can't really call it a company, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Organization. Mm-hmm. So, so like, um, you would want um, them to at least have some funding to, like, um, be able to uh, use uh, more tooling, right? Like, tooling is not cheap if you want the good stuff. And people are, like, like you, you can just go and employ anyone. But, like, the really good people, like, um, need, like, um, you know, like, a decent salary, a decent wage. So, like, using these liquidity pools to be able to pay wages, like, um, upfront like is really good um so i think like ideally you want more applications Hmm. Um, but those applications are going to be built by like the dow tooling folks or you're saying that you're going to add some more applications to your system well we, we spoke a bit about like using celestia stuff right like um like being able to use like um, Dimension, the rollup, uh, I, I think that was really cool. Like they're doing a really big marketing campaign right now. Like um, they keep on punting at the, the futures modular, right? Which is just uh, smaller moving parts. Uh, and I think like the more uh, parts that we have, um, it's going to really like accelerate like growth of the ecosystem and being able to make it more user-friendly is ideally what we want. Because a lot of the times when... Uh, you know, we speak about things like IBC, people think they know what they're talking about, but like ideally, like when you get into like the, the real, like the cryptography behind it, like people like lose track of what's actually happening. So like being able to take people uh, through a process, like eliminating all of the complications by making it like a simple once of purchase, um, you know, it makes it easier for the end users, right? Um, so like, uh, even if it comes to like a thing like sweeping an entire collection, um, 
it makes it easier for that person to get a return on what they um, want. They are ideally like all crypto people, right? You know, the stuff we like, we, we want money, right? Um, but at the same time, liquidity can't come into the systems if you don't like give it a, um, you know, you don't give it really good utilities, like whether it's gaming, whether it's like um, whatever, right? Like there's a lot of services that you can't provide that I think, um, you know, like for the cosmos, like you can still build using existing like dApps and stuff. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if, where I follow though. Like, where do you come in versus where? So, so you're saying like? Oh, so oh like, what I'm saying is I like get lost in the message of what you're trying to actually say. Like, so you're you're trying to create a product that people can use, or you're hoping other people build products that you can use, or like what like. Um, I'm, well, I'm well there's multiple things happening, right? Like, number one, you just paying like upfront for like using ten different tools. Instead of using that ten different tools, you're getting it like uh, you're getting a recurring revenue for a once-off purchase, which um, is ideally what I've set up using. Like, um, I think that's what a coder does, right? Being able to route like different tools and technologies that ex- that exist to give you a better product at the end of the day. Okay. Like, like if you think about this, right? Like, let's make it easy for you to understand, right? Like, how nice would it be if you could just take fifty bucks and be like, "Hey, uh, now I can earn fifty bucks every single month," um, and uh, you know, I only spent that fifty bucks once, and right. over time it goes up, right? Like that fifty bucks doesn't stay at fifty bucks because of um, you are able to add to the bond, right? So you get With, more. like compounding and whatever. Is that what you're saying, or? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand like how you can make theoretical money in DeFi. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm like, uh, what what I'm trying to say is like, what what exactly are are you specifically trying to achieve in that? Is it like you want to create a DAP? You're trying to create like a DAO that does a series of features, and you want, you're creating sort of an investment account place where people can like buy the coin and get exposure to that those effects I'm or like. like- my personal like goal is to like develop like an MMO, right? Like that's just one component. But we don't plan on stopping there, right? Like there might be a need for other things as well. So like ideally I would like to like um move away like from fiat and full time into crypto and um this kind of a model like suits that need. Um where I don't need to like uh, you know worry about what's happening uh, with other stuff and I can like focus like solely on What's the next uh, thing that people want? Like, um, ideally, like people keep on talking about play to earn, play to earn, right? And then it never like manifests. But now we have things like these proof of stake systems where we can like leverage those tools to be able to benefit um, users through things like rewards. Like, um, like for example, there's like really cool games that like function on like um, uh, how can I say like a real time basis where you could play like the entire day. Um, non-stop like as long as the, the server is continuing like the, the clouds stay up all the time right um and you can have like an event in the game where um let's just say you have ranks and stuff right um and that incentivizes the people to play more and be become like the best so there's a lot of elements behind it like you can have a, a, a financial instrument you can have so many different chain ups right and i think like um Celestia like covers the entire interchain. So there's like a whole lot of moving parts and it's hard to explain and get out at one shot for people to understand. But I think like uh, for a once-off purchase for a person that's new to DeFi, like um, 
it would be easier on the person in um making the purchase and it'd also be easier for the person that's doing the development and like you know assembling all of that uh, and facilitating for like a team and stuff so that makes it a lot easier for like people to 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 navigate right you you don't want to go spill out like uh, like if you get a person that comes into defi today right and you tell him go and set up a dao go and do this go into the osmos liquidity pool go and like bond go and uh, get the yield get and pay the rewards and use ibc like they're not going to be able to really like relate to like what you're saying right so it, it makes it easier in that sense in that sense like to onboard more people like you have to make things a bit more so what you're easier. trying to say is you're trying to create like a defi front end that like at some level i mean the background stuff happens but the user experience is simplified by the front end ui ux basically i mean that's yeah. like one way to say it um yeah i mean so the way to describe that in more simple terms would be i'm trying to abstract the defi experience into an easy to use front end that um you know allows people to get um you know maybe the best yield on on various platforms in one place or something like that so like yeah some of those are kind of like yield aggregators have done this type of thing um some of those were quite popular like in 2020 2021 for example um so yeah different people have done stuff like that before for sure um, they're out there. There's not that much in the, there may not be very much in the cosmos ecosystem for that, but there's definitely been a lot in Ethereum and stuff for that kind of, um, people have created those types of things. The idea that there's like yield farms all over the place, but you couldn't be bothered to figure out which one has the best yield and stuff. So someone is there like bringing the best opportunities into the one place and all you have to do is stick your money in and, uh, money pops out the other end. <laughs> like, and, uh, it's like a, a value extraction type of effect pretty much um you're, you're trying to get the best um possible use of your capital in terms of capital efficiency and uh most people just don't know how to like navigate to that now on the other hand like most people though don't understand the risks of doing that either so that's the, that's the thing like um and when people don't understand the risks or what it is they tend not to invest very much money that's the other thing to keep in mind as well so like the, the greater the layers of security risks and smart contract risks and whatever else, um, the the less likely someone is to put mega money in because they, they don't know where they can lose it or whatever. So that's a, that's always a problem as well. I, I think the biggest is, Sefi, is like, it's either you trust the entity or you don't trust the entity, right? Like, um, like it's up to you whether you want to like approve the transaction or not, right? True, but like there is um there's a level of trust where you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna put a million dollars in that platform versus a level of trust where I'm not sure I can leave twenty thousand dollars on this platform without uh fear of loss it losing it. Say for example, um uh and that's a thing that's built over time. Like you, there's no amount of trust that's given essentially or someone can assume automatically. Like for example, um, can you send $10 million to Coinbase today and feel pretty comfortable that's not going anywhere? The answer is yes. Can you send $10 million to MEXC and you're going to be com comfortable with like spending that there? That's highly dubious. Like it just like it doesn't matter whether you trust, like I might trust something to do a $100,000 transaction like on MEXC or something, but am I going to trust it to, to do million dollar transactions? I don't know. I'm not sure. Right. Um, now, let's say Mexi is still around from, you know, 
10 years from now or whatever. And they don't like arbitrary kick off certain citizens from different countries or whatever. And, um, and they don't like close down your account or something, then, you know, you might eventually get to the point where you're more, more, more comfortable with more money, but trust is almost entirely earned and it's earned over time. Usually it's not one of those things that's sort of easily given. Um, yeah. Like what, uh, you know, I, I think in the crypto space, like my, um, so just like shifting gears here to like, you know, the, the project I've been wanting to sort of, uh, create and, I haven't decided whether it's like it makes sense to find, you know, developers have to pay to do this or they would do it just because they think it's a cool idea or what. But like the idea is basically to do a um, essentially a coin game um, involving either coins or tokens or both and um, uh, possibly like make it a multi-chain experience in some kind. I was just thinking, I was thinking this more and more like, how do you get the greatest number of possible users into a into a um, a game that involves just playing with coins? Like you stake them, you LP them, you you throw them at each other, you you gift them, you give them away, you um, you collect certain combinations of them to win certain prizes. This kind of thing. Um, and I was kind of thinking about this more and more. And like one way would be to to create a chain that does this and. Another would be to do like a multi-chain game, sort of very similar to how Astroport is a multi-chain DEX um, or Osmosis is a multi-chain DEX. Um, so you could do different kind of interesting things. And I was like, you know, we already know that pay-to-play type games don't really work well because eventually you run out of money to pay people. Um, and you run out of investors who are willing to like buy the primary token, which then gets paid out to all sorts of game players. Um, so you ultimately have to have some core token in the ecosystem that, or coin in the ecosystem, I should say, that has a store of value proposition that people want to invest in this for some reason. It has to accrue value from the game itself. And, uh, there has to be a reason why the game participants are somehow bolstering the value of this coin through their play actions. And therefore it increases the likelihood that people want that specific coin. On the other hand, games have to be practically free, if not completely free, um, outside of maybe the transaction costs. Because if they're not free, the problem is, is that leads to a scenario where, let's say, for example, you have to have a certain number of the primary game token to play the game. Like, let's say you had to have, let's call it the, let's call the token for you know, practical purposes, it's called game, G-A-M-E. So you have to have the game token to play the game. Well, what if what if the game token is worth 100x what it was, you know, a few months ago? You're going to pay like 100x to play the game? No. So like the new users get locked out because they feel like the the game and the various imp the ideas within the game, the stuff you buy in the game or whatever economic activity you do has been priced out for them. And so deflationary coins that are or deflationary systems or like that are used to try to um fuel the participation of the game tend to make the game less participants over time not more but that's kind of like one sort of general intuition um so like you, if you mix up like all the different reasons why people are in crypto in the first place to make money um the fact that most people like DeFi and all this shit is like a video game to them um, to wrap that into sort of like 
um, an entertaining system as some stuff that people have tried. I think like Fortis was a game that was on in Cosmos and I didn't play it, but apparently it was pretty fun, but it didn't work because it was like a house of cards. Like it worked while it worked, but then like when the coin price fell, the incentive structure breaks and it did not work. So like you have to have a sequence of sort of like coins and tokens that people play with almost like stats on a paper doll in an MMO type game. And um, yeah, you could definitely create some interesting, um, very simple games with this. Like it doesn't even need to be particularly complicated, but you know, you might um, have like, let's say, you know, like the theory I had was like based on kind of like a Hindu mythology type of thing where it's like, you have your three core like personalities of God you had like a Shiva and a Brahma and a and a Vishnu kind of coin, or those would be your three main coins. And then there'd be like a bunch of tokens and things like, you know, how Bruce came up with like autism. It'd be similar. It'd be like tokens such as, you know, I don't know, like, you know, dark and light or, um, you know, compassion versus, um, you know, merciless or something like there, there'd be these contradictory values of coins. And like you would, um, have a certain amount per percentage of those coins in your wallet. It wasn't so much like that you had to have a certain number of them, but a certain ratio of the the sub tokens in your wallet. And that would create like your paper doll, essentially, if you think about an MMO and, um, you know, and then like groups of people, you know, to, you know, slay a dragon or slay some enemy or whatever, you know, just metaphorically, they would have certain categories of these things. And with those specific categories of, of coins and things, then you could look for aligning people's long-term incentives to be able to accomplish some specific goal. And those goals would vary based on time. So like there'd be one month goals, there'd be one year goals, there'd be five year goals, like interesting, like depending on what you're trying to achieve with your little, um, with your wallet, your wallet basically is your character um, is the best way to describe it. Like, you don't need any other special interface the um like it's it's so it's like kind of like btc happening right like what is it you have bitcoin in your wallet there is a hash rate happening every you know a certain number of blocks that turns out to be approximately every four years and um when that happens the miners do certain actions the um you know it, you know there's a meme effect of that happening there are so like Bitcoin happening is be like a game theoretic example of an event within an ecosystem that's very specific. Like, um, you know, like I think Cosmos, for example, has a little bit of this. Like, for example, if you want to incentivize staking of Atom, you create a situation where like if there's not enough stakers, the yield per staker goes up because like, you know, less people are sharing in the staking rewards. Right. So that would be an example of a game theoretical reason you want to, you know, accommodate for security. And so you have a relatively higher yield if less people are staking and the yield goes down if more people are staking, right. To where you get to the optimal level where you feel like there's enough stakers to secure the network. Right. So those are examples of like game theory that plays out and how tokens are built and how they're set up. And my sense is that like, you could take that whole thing and just make a game out of it. Like, um, the the concept of staking, the fact that you are committing your tokens to a specific task for a period of time could be to secure a network, but it could also be simply to like, you know, slay the dragon or, 
whatever else is in your game. And it, and you don't even need to have like any kind of graphical user interface, none of that shit. Um, if you think about how autism token works, like that Bruce just put out, it's like the experience of gifting it to people and the experience of, you know, um, just, you know, receiving it and giving it away and all that has a sort of like a cultural effect or a, a meaningful experience just by itself. You don't, it doesn't have to really do anything. Um, and I think like um, the the extra layer here would be uh, like, what are you doing to incentivize people to play this game? And one of those would be that like, it it promotes transactional activity at its core. Like if you think about like, what does a DeFi ecosystem want? What does a DEX want? What does a central exchange want? What does any coin want? It wants volume. And like in a way, volume or economic activity um, is a goal unto itself. It's like the movement, the kinetic energy, kind of the movement of uh, money or value or ideas back and forth. And the more of that that happens, whether it's due to people like randomly doing those things, whether it's some programmatic thing like the Bitcoin happening, or whether it's some specific action like staking or whatever it is, these things are sort of like kinetic energy. Um, you store energy in a place, you release it after a while, um, and you have different sort of functions for the various coins and ideas within it. So that's kind of my thinking, King, is like the, the um, it's like, um, you know, you build out a series of like a game and then you just simply have like a dashboard, basically, like what's happening on any given day in that game. Um, you know, and it might be something like, oh, a month from now, there is going to be this event, like a tornado, um, and or a meteor is going to strike the your world. And when that happens, you're going to want to have this proportion of tokens in your um, on your balance sheet. If not, like you're going to lose X, Y, and Z. On the other hand, there may be something happening next week that affects your, you know, um, your your outcome somehow. And you might be planning for that one week effect, right? So like, but at the same time, if you plan for the one week thing, you might lose out more than if you were to plan for the one month thing, right? Like it's, there's a, you know, like there's usually a, a, a like reward for people that on the one hand participate more frequently, but there's also a reward for other people who um, plan for more longer term events, right? And then maybe like there needs to be some people with short term planning, some people with longer term planning. And there's events that, you know, you, you take those two types of people, you put them together and, um, you know, you can solve for certain types of like puzzles or events. And maybe like you need to have a certain number of people stake to the, to the Vishnu DAO. Otherwise what's going to happen is, is like when that event happens, um, you, you know, your group is going to lose at, on, in the aggregate unless you beat the other DAO who, who whatever. So it creates like a, potential for like team events um very similar to what you might see in like a fantasy football or something there's kind of a team versus team sort of play um where your individual wallet matters your friends wallets matter but when you combine them all together that matters um for different types of events right and then there's like individual goals like that you might do solo and there's other goals that you might do better as a group. And then the, the question is also like, well, it's crypto. So how do you prevent people from sibling this? Like what's to keep Fildo from having seven wallets? Um, and the argument there would be like, 
um, there isn't anything to keep Filda from having seven wallets. And maybe the reality is that it won't matter because technically speaking, the game tokens are free anyway. So it's like, does it really, <laughs> like, does it, and do you want to avoid bots or do you want to actually promote bots on the network? Because bots do what? They actually create, in increase economic activity. The bot has to pay fees on the network transaction fees. And maybe the only pay, the, the only thing you have to pay to play is the actual fees for the, the transactions. It's like very similar to going to like Chuck E. Cheese or something. You put a, you put a coins in the skee-ball machine, you play a game for a little while and then you get some tickets, right? Same concept. Um, and, you know, so there would be a very, very low barrier to entry to play. Um, and uh, that kind of creates um, a scenario where more people are willing to sort of like, you know, uh, just play the game and see how it goes. Does that make sense, King? Like, it doesn't seem like a very hard thing to build. Um, but like to do some front end stuff like dashboards and things um, could get kind of interesting. Um, and then like how to, how programmatic to make the events. So Bitcoin halving is a good example. Um, that would be a programmatic event that happens every so block, so many blocks, and that turns out to be about four years in Bitcoin's case. But in a game like this, there might be some events that are just timed. Um, and they, and I don't know if you have to use King, like do you have to use Celestia or something like this in the background to make it work or like enterprise warp protocol or something. You've got to have something to sort of like, make this work right like um where a timed event can occur four years from now or a certain block height or something human beings don't usually think in block height though they think in time so like how do you use like an oracle or something to get the time um you know related event to happen uh these are the kind of questions i have like from a technical standpoint i don't know what's possible um do you have an idea king like what what automations can be done based on like oracles or time or things like that um i don't have it like a full on like task but like from what i understand like if it's gonna have any uh like you know like as long as you have like a visible like order book i think like um that that's kind of uh, important right so like you'd have to like combine like a majority of different like uh, applications no i mean like take for example i just want to use a time clock um like I need to know when it's January 1st, 2025 in order to have an event happen on chain. Like warp protocol does that to an extent, right? Like in, on Terra, um, that's one example of one that does this. Like you can automate based on certain, uh, maybe like real world data that's coming from somewhere. The other thing too is like getting credible randomness. So I think noise protocol is a new chain on Cosmos, NOIS. Um, and I believe it came out just recently so you might be able to buy the coin now i'm not sure like let me check osmosis anyway but like noise allows you to um like it it allows you to basically pay for um like i guess you pay in noise tokens or something but you basically can get reliable randomness so that whatever like raw data you get is truly random and you can't um you, you can't like manipulate it somehow, right? Because imagine you want to say like, you know how D Dungeons and Dragons sort of works. You roll a dice and at the roll of that dice, you know, your attack has this much damage, right? So um, you want the dice to be random. And in this case, um, bringing in like randomness from somewhere, um, at least reasonable randomness. I don't know if it has to be even perfect, but like reasonable randomness, it can't be easily manipulated by outside uh, to play to manipulate the game 
um, if you had a way to sort of like get reliable randomness, bring that in, uh, get time time stamps so like people can go based on human calendars. Those are two things that blockchains don't do um, at a core level. Like I don't know if noise is even a like an actual full blockchain specifically for like general smart contracts or whether it's like just for like interchain applications just to connect um, randomness to any chain or DAP or whatever. But it looks interesting. Um, and I think the the infrastructure necessary in Cosmos to make um, interesting games that use cross-chain tokens, uh, cross-chain randomness, maybe some cross-chain Oracle data and maybe band protocol or something is cheap. I'm not sure. Just to get like timestamps on things, right? Um, could be really interesting. Because if you like the way I'm thinking of it, you have to have scheduled events like every month. Some like, you know, it's almost like um, think about how like people behave in response to like, uh, what is it called? Like um, astrology, right? Like people get their astrology reading and they go, oh, based on the star positions here, here, and here. I'm going to do this today. Like, you know, I'm not going to have a meeting today or whatever. Be similar. Like the, you'd have phases of the moon or something in the game. And, and as a result of those events, the, how you're going to prep your character, your paper doll to handle that event is a thing. And ultimately like maybe the people that really, really do this well are able to generate more of the store of value token in their wallet somehow. Right. It's not exactly pay to play. But it's almost like uh, you're the way it would work ultimately is like it's um, it's work to earn ultimately, right? Pay to play assumes like you're just messing around and someone's going to pay you for it. Whereas work to earn is you are doing something in the ecosystem that would be constituted as work, similar to how uh, proof of work, like, you know, with like Bitcoin, for example, it's, you know, people are doing calculations and things the the system is doing calculations and you're basically paying that for that in electricity right in this example the difference would be like proof of work would be proof of human work and it would be no different than like for example in everquest if you were to go mine a bunch of gold like maybe you dug a bunch of rocks you took the rocks you converted them to whatever you refined it to you know runescape has this concept too like you can go and sell some certain things you can farm some enemies and you can get resources, right? But imagine um, that same concept, but what you're doing is within the game, um, you might be incentivized to pay someone with some of your tokens that would change the proportion of the tokens in your wallet um, that would affect your outcome a month from now, but maybe you're giving up something to somebody else so that they can have um, you're paying them so that you they can do certain tasks for you. Like, for example, like let's say you wanted to defend yourself against a meteor shower. I'm just making up some bullshit here. And you needed five people to hold up shields like so that you don't get hit, right? Like you 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 might pay them to do this within the game. Does that make sense? Like so there becomes like an in-game economy of um reasons why you might pay someone to do something and why made why they might pay something to do like for you to do and in the meantime there's like all this activity leads to maybe um transactional value for maybe the the shareholder of the 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 value accrual token right maybe it has yield that's generated by the other players in the game doing shit like you know changing the contents of their wallet may be free like they can just use a faucet 
but the thing is like the those changes are not free in the sense that you have to pay like a small fee to actually play the game right like so that fee then generate to the token holder and that becomes kind of a yield source uh and um but at the same time you don't need the core store of value token to win the game or something right um because if you did that it's going to again it's going to be a deflationary economy and uh, eventually new users won't show up so like that that whole like concept if there's a developer that will like you know can put that together for me like i think we the way i would do this is like the initial coin ecosystem would be very very simple it'd be like you know maybe three core coins and then like that creates the basis for maybe some cults that connect to each of those you know uh, coins like maybe each of those main groups will have like five subgroups or something and you know different like almost like it almost becomes like character classes as it were right imagine there's like the worshipers worshipers of the sun the moon and the worshipers of the stars or something like that and then like the the members of the cult or whatever could be small subsects and um so the simple coin economy would be really really simple right there wouldn't be anything and then what happens is with each layer that you build of of coin economics right that would never change again right it's completely immutable so your your initial conditions your initial system has to be perfect um and it has to create like it, it has to be in like uh imagine kind of like um it has to be like orbits of complexity so at the center is the sun around like you know that would like look at crypto today right you have bitcoin in the middle uh which is kind of a store of value then you have like the, all these other altcoins all around it they're all connected via bots and things they're all connected by liquidity pools pairings whatever and people play this game in crypto all day long right they 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 go make profit in litecoin then they go buy bitcoin bitcoin with it or whatever that that's what that's what we're doing we're all just playing one gigantic video game that's all this is right it's like it's just ideas video game and at the end of the day like the hope is that you get value out of the thing and um there's people that purely come to extract value there's people that come to invest, there's people that come to build, there's people that come to entertain themselves and play. There's people that, um, like, there's an entire universe around crypto now as a result of that. My thought is, like, just turn that into a pure game. Now, people have done this before, King, like, for example, um, DeFi Kingdoms and some of those things, but they're not the exact same thing as what I'm trying to get after here. Like, those were, like, more pure game. Um, my thought is, like, the, the game, um, while interesting and might be fun in its own right, the, the purpose of the game is to support the central um, idea or the central um, value accrual mechanism and then create a reason for people to both play and bring value back to the coin. Um, and then like, because it's well understood at that point that the value for the coin comes from the value of the network, then the network builds because people are like, ooh, I'm gonna get more of this coin. So people will in fact speculate on the, on the, the, the primary asset because the sense is that like in this sort of circle of activity the more circles that form around this coin the more likely that coin gets value that makes sense so like it's a it's a process and um you don't need to build all of it at once right because like you know maybe someone decides you know how like same one same ways layer ones have different dApps you could have entirely different dApps and front ends built by people who are like ooh, to play this game better I want to build a guild management engine because I want like be able to bring, you know, it's the same as like Dow Dow, right? Like basically you want to bring 10 people together to want to play the game together who want to beat certain tasks and they feel like using grouping up to do it 
allows them to do it better. But you don't have to build that in at the very beginning. You just simply create the structure for which um, other people are like, ooh, I want to build on top of this thing, right? And that's pretty much what dApps are, right, today. Like you have this game theoretical mechanism that is a blockchain. And then you have other people that are like, oh, I think a group of subset of people like to do perpetuals. Okay, we're going to build Levana. Subset of people like to do NFTs. Okay, we're going to build Stargaze. The subset of people like to do art or whatever, music or whatever. So you get all these subcultures that come from the blockchain economies. Um, and um, like, I, I guess my, con my conceptual idea is like to more gamify that at a pure level to where like entertainment is the transactional value, right? Like the, it's, it's not that different from people that like to go and like claim their stake every day and then restake it or something like that. Or, you know, like people do, people turn this into kind of a ritual. Um, they have Twitter spaces about crypto and stuff and people debate like, Hey, like what's coming out for Chainlink next month and what's coming out with, you know, for Zephyr next month or whatever. Um, and then entire conversations happen around like new developments and adjustments to the game or whatever. And that gets kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, the culture that builds around like a coin economy and stuff like that is an interesting look. And, you know, what's cool too is like, uh, Bruce's coin, like the autism coin can play a role in something like this, because like now you have a group of wallets that you have identified as people who, um, are sort of crypto diehard people, right? That's the people that by and large own some autism tokens. Then you can airdrop and distribute like gaming tokens. It's almost like you go to like, um, get the monopoly game board at your grocery store type of thing. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have that where you are, but like, uh, McDonald's has like a, like a, like, you know, McDonald's and some of these other ones have like these tie-ins with the monopoly board game people and they have like this little game they hand all the people at mcdonald's or, or or at the grocery store and then you can like get the little like if you buy french fries you'll get the little game piece if you buy this so like certain activities will get you certain tokens that that belong in the game right so like you could have entirely separate front ends that people create where it's like oh please trade in your um you know your retard tokens and your sunshine tokens and we'll give you um I don't know, like, you know, future airdrops of the Dragon Slayer sword token or some bullshit, right? So like, if you have this concept where certain tokens are more valuable, if they're held over a longer period of time, or maybe like, you know, then there's come become the reasons why some people would kind of want to stake to some kind of DAO their token so they can receive a sword later or something weird like that, right? So you create these interesting dynamics with the, the time locks and the the like the various functions of coins and things it could be pretty fun but um yeah I, I i periodically talk about this so that like somewhere somehow some developer says oh i think we can build that that looks pretty easy to do and like i think it's gonna be pretty simple and then we would just like grow it um like first all it is is just a token economy and then it grows from there um like i'm kind of interested in how like what neutron and strides experience has been because um, one could argue that like an optimal project would have probably the core token, the one everyone wants would be deflationary. And you can't do that with Cosmos DeFi because the problem is, is like to pay validators, you got to pay like a couple million bucks a year in inflationary rewards. If you don't, it's not like worth a validator network. So maybe the right way to do this is actually release the token on on a Cosmos sidechain. And now the new thing in Cosmos is you only need like, you can do a short number of validators. You can do like five validators and call it a day. 
So you, you don't even need like the full Cosmos set anymore. And you can do like this, what they call like, they're calling it partial, um, like, you know, partial chain validation or something like that. And I don't know what the name was. Anyway, point is you could have a side chain that uses all the Cosmos validators, or you could maybe just choose a subset of them that align with your game idea or whatever. And then you can do cool things like, um, you know, you can start the game off and only just pay the transaction fees to Cosmos. I think it's like 25% of each um, transaction fee goes to Cosmos Hub. Um, the cool thing about this is it would like, it would really energize the Atom community if you did this, because obviously like Cosmos gets some benefit. There's kind of like a meme coin slash game happening within the ecosystem. And it directly benefits the, the you know, the Atom coin in some way um, and that kind of thing. So, you know, and then like, Another thing is like if you look what Enterprise DAO has done and the ability to do like cross-chain staking, maybe like a way that you can get some of the different game tokens is by actually staking um, tokens from the various ecosystems. Like you can bring some injective in. You need to bring like 10 Atom or 10 injective or something. You could bring something where you could do like um, some kind of cross-chain treasury type system where um, like, I don't know, it, it, you would you would be able to like bring in the yield from various different things and bring value into this particular ecosystem somehow as a revenue generating source, like you were mentioning, Ferry. So like you need to have this operate on some, um, like some funds. And if you can have like some of it be kind of like, a like think about, uh, I don't know, like let's say it's like a fantasy football league as an example. Imagine like every month there's a pool of money and that money gets paid out to the winner, right? Similar concept here. Uh, some of the transactional value would accumulate into a pool and that results in the team that, you know, you know, is the strongest or whatever it is, luckiest or however you want to do it, would result in winning some of this money. And that would be kind of a cool way to, to uh, kind of create a flywheel effect of interest where people are talking about it. And you really want like events that are frequent enough but not so frequent that it's annoying. You want people to be talking about it on Twitter and stuff like, oh, by the way, is everyone prepared for the red moon next month or some shit? Like I'm just making something up, but like, so people are like planning for something ahead of time, talking about it, discussing it and going, okay, this is what we're going to do. Um, and you know, there's actual, it's almost like a poker tournament in a sense, because there's indirectly money at stake, even though the game to play is free, there might end up being money at stake if you win, you're actually, you're actually earning something, which is kind of cool. So anyway, just some different ideas as far as that's concerned. But yeah, like this Dow tooling stuff, King is important for this. Cause like you want to be able to bring in cross chain assets so you can stake them and have a revenue source for the actual players um, that you're paying out some of this stuff, not just free tokens, but um, and what's interesting about this too, is like you might get investment from different um, you go to the, you do community proposals at different, protocols like um like cosmos and um do a community proposal at injective or whoever and um maybe those communities actually inject some of their coins into the dow or whatever it is like the little um organization structure and that leads to yield from those things going to your treasury to then um sort of like pay out players in those individual tokens so it could be an interesting game where like um you know, if you come and do this, this, and this on Injective, you will actually get the tokens that you can use in this game. 
And it's almost like earning Chuck E. Cheese tokens to go play. <laughs> and then you can go play with these tokens. And then um, you might be able to win a prize that's being like sponsored by that particular chain. So these kind of like interchain games could be really, really um, interesting to bring into the mix, right? As like a promotional feature. So there's, there's, the game has like an advertising feature. Um, so like what meme coins have done so far is just mostly bullshit in my opinion. Like it's just like the most base case of like game and that like I buy this token and number go up, thank you. But I think you could make it much deeper than that, create some serious tribes. And then maybe even have like, people on different chains competing like you know like the injective crowd and the kuji crowd are like fuck you we're gonna win you know and whatever and you could actually have like cross-chain um battles in a sense um where like you know like it's almost like a a sign of shame if your fucking chain doesn't have enough like power to win or something <laughs> but something like that you know but i think you could bring in tons of money like that um like many many millions i think would flow um very quickly like I could, I could bet you that like, I could get probably like a hundred million to flow through a system like that in no time, if you like with the right build. So anyway, just some interesting like ways to like generate revenue in my opinion is like to do these kind of tricks. Anyway, I've been ranting. King, you've been following or like understanding what I'm trying to get at here or what? Like, you, yeah, think, this yeah. is, you think this is buildable? You think the tools are out there and like, or you think it's like still too ridiculous? I don't think it's completely ridiculous. Um, I, I think like just um, it's just going to take a bit of uh, time aligning, uh, like with the front end and stuff. Um, that's just that's just like um, the idea, I guess. Like I, I get the idea. It was always going to be a three thing, right? Like even in like the traditional like MMOs, like you'd have like uh, what is it like HP and and stamina and energy mm -hmm. and. Like it's always XP, right? Like those are the kinds of things like you can potentially tokenize. So I, I do follow like, especially like where you say like you have to have like the DAO stuff set up, um, which which I have done. Um, so like I, I'm on the right track. It's just a matter of, um, you know, getting that, that set up where I can get assistance with some of the things that I'm unfamiliar with. Yeah, and this, this type of project would be something more where I'd like to see is like the core features um, would not require like much in the way of ideally would not require much in the way of governance um, in the sense that once it's running, it's you'd want it to be completely permissionless. Um, governance and all the shenanigans behind that are too open for manipulation for something like this, where I, I, I would think I wouldn't want that to be the case. I'd want like, the core store of value token to have pretty pretty much be immutability at its core the triumvirate of side tokens you know like little god tokens would be kind of also immutable in their initial features and nothing about them can be changed no matter what like it's, it's there's a permanence to that because what people don't like is you know developers changing fucking video games after they have like amassed a certain amount of wealth or they've amassed a strategy or something and they have a long-term plan like It'd be like a Bitcoin halving, deciding to change like the halving rewards or something like that, and like, and then all the miners are like, "What? Like, what the hell is going on over here?" So I think like, um, yeah, like a lot of this has to be pretty immutable. And then, so it's not like I'm I'm not saying that we need a DAO specifically. I'm just saying like the types of features that some of the DAO tooling um, has 
are some of the same types of features that would be useful potentially here. And it'd almost be like you would take a vast majority of the initial DAO token distribution and maybe destroy a vast majority of it, right? So it's like nobody has enough power to vote on anything, <laughs> like kind of something weird um, to where you could solve for the problem of like just create immutability um, ultimately. So that could be interesting because like you'd want to have like a scenario where maybe there's like, like, like how does Satoshi really disappear, right? Like how do you create a system where the initial user, the initial multi-sig, all of that just vaporizes and how can you do that in a credible manner? Where it's actually impossible to change any any of those parameters once they're fixed in stone, we'd ha I'd have to understand that better about this because I, I haven't developed um, myself as far as with a Cosmos chain. I'm not sure what actual parameter changes are feasible and what can be made permanent from the launch. Right? Is that like, is that a thing, Fairy? Like, if you have you built any, have you looked at like launching a chain? Have you seen that the the toolkit for that? Yeah. Um... I, I've looked at um, Juno, um, not not too much yet on Tether, but I think I need to uh, get more familiar with the with the tooling on Tether, right? And I mean to like like when you launch the chain right from the beginning, right? If you launch a brand new Cosmos chain, um, how many parameters can be locked permanently and forever without like any possibility of change through governance or anything else? Is that a thing or what? I don't know. I haven't gone through the documentation to see. But um, yeah, these are important questions, I think. Um, and or maybe like, maybe the right thing to do is that the tokens that are created are immutable, but the primary governance token of the network may not be necessarily immutable. There's some things that are open to governance. So, you know, par the parts of the game layer, like, and maybe the, the primary store of value token in the game is not even the main governance token, it's just separate, right? That way you can make it immutable and not have to worry about voting on anything, right? So there, that's another way to build the game is the the sub, you know, sub tokens or coins or whatever you want to call it um, are, are immutable. And that way the game can be played without fail, right? Without any kind of way to break the game in the future. Anyway, just some thoughts. Nice. I'm gonna I'm tell you something. When the world starts to get really bad, and these mugs out here robbing, you gonna love digital currency. All these motherfuckers, they be running and gunning, and I'm all like, I'm sitting back just having fun in the sun, and then I'm like one out of a hundred, I'm just building up on it. So some of everything we built are in the last hundred upsets, you're getting salty, feeling faulty, you ain't no man. I keep robo here, grinning ear to ear, throwing up anarchy, smoking toiletries, spitting philosophies. Look at the dossier, we rack like geology, there's layers to this shit, like it's sedimentary, all these little onion peels getting torn off. And buried, imagine the smell. That shit is a vital experience without knowing how you will not survive, period. He's uh, <laughs> a fucking trip, man. Jimmy, if you Jimmy, if you listen to this, right, you're getting absolutely fucking ripped to death. Like on a spaceship alive, you little troglodyte bastard. I hope you fucking listen, I hope you come to my house soon. I swear to god, man. I've got fucking loads of weapons and my dogs, man. You just a little rat, man. Go on. Fuck off, man. Go on. Harmony. Me and the other one. Do you look for a fucking job? You fucking idiot. You've just been fucking at my death. Fuck off.
try to change the course of the portion philosophy I'm just here for the corporation sponsor lobotomy Feels like I won the lottery like I'm ghosting this pottery Chill Demi, boy the shit's supposed to be haunting If it wasn't ain't no puzzle you would try to train your muscle Air dropping like a fatal hustle but the pay is buzzing Think of all the loss accrued just to pick up off the tricky custom I figured all those subdowns would make up for something I guess it just goes to show the fuck do I know At least it's quiet over here I like my little silo It's better than watching them fight over how to divide my time between sitting at the desk and the ride home Devs at Mickey D's, they leeching off that Wi-Fi Zapdos and Moldy shipping more than five guys Console open, waiting for the kamikaze When the flash loans bang, they feeling like paparazzi Snapshot motherfuckers We got layers, meteor, jawbreaker We cracking a lot of craters We rapping a lot of pay dirt Maxing out relayers Imagine the smell Five dollar wrench to your Darth Vader it's, it's really funny uh, to us at Binance that everyone here is talking about uh, blockchain attack. We know who all the validators are, we know, we know where they live, and we're, and we're going to their house, and we're going to a range, to their big range, and we will attack them at the range, and then we will take their validator home physically and put it in a truck and drive it to China. Right, so this is an extension of the, the activities you performed on, on BTC, right? Uh, funding and creating these massive uh, Bitcoin mines, putting them in caves, putting them in, in uh, factories that were abandoned in the past, and also using electromagnetic pulse bombs to detonate uh, the USA and the other country mines, right? So you're now applying this strategy to, to Lunk uh, in order to take over the chain, is that correct? Uh, it's more simple. There's no uh, EMP bomb. It's just a van of men in uh, Balaclava, and they have wrench and they're taking the physical validators from people's houses. They are usually very fat and they're usually uh, in the shower with, you know, with trying to wash their mice uh, droppings off their uh, clothes. So it's very simple. We just walk in and we take it. But if there is someone who is sitting at the computer or sleeping at the computer, we, uh, we hit them with the wrench really, really hard. And then they say, stop. Don't do that again. And we say, that's okay. Just mm -hmm. give us your validator note. And then they give it to us and we drive it to China. Chinese spaces.